Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From his undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. And here are some of the steel slats that the president's been talking about uh, right here. Uh, as you can see, yes, you can see through these slats to the uh, other side of the U.S.-Mexico border. Uh, but as we're walking along here, we're not seeing any kind of uh, imminent danger. There are no migrants trying to uh, rush toward this fence uh, here in the McAllen, Texas area. As a matter of fact, there are some other businesses uh, behind me along this highway. There's a gas station, Burger King, and so on. Uh, but no sign of the national emergency that the president has been talking about. Uh, as a matter of fact, it's pretty tranquil down here. Sheriff, so we got this beautiful fence right here. Uh, goes all the way just about here, and then it just, I, I guess it, it ends, right? That's, that's, that's the dead end of it right here. <laughs> and if you wanted to get under this uh, fence, you just have to push it open. It's almost like a gate right there, and anyone can just get right through. Just step right through it. Hutspeth County Sheriff Arvin West was our guide. His county, roughly 60 miles east of El Paso, straddles the Mexican border for 98 long miles. Illegal aliens and Mexican drug smugglers know the area well. So do you think our border is secure? You're looking at it. If you think four strands of barbed wire is, is secure in the border, then I guess it's secure. What, what, what do you think it would take to, to make our border secure? The easiest, simplest way is put border patrol back the Sheriff West doesn't blame the agents on the ground. He blames the bosses in Washington. You hear the, the rumors of boots on the ground and more agents. And we've got plenty of agents. They just need to be on the border. Look around you. You can look miles and miles either direction, and there's not a border trail. And welcome back to Flyover Politics Podcast. It's the 14th of January, year of our Lord, 2019. Yeah, it's Monday. It's supposed to be Wednesday, but we had a lot of good stuff this weekend. I figured, what the hell? Let me crank it out. The lake's frozen, so my fishing trip is canceled till tomorrow when it de-thaws. And, uh, yeah, we'll have some fun. So, uh, looking at last year, something I missed and an astute listener brought it to my attention was total listens last year. We had a good year. Um, by what I can track, it was 6,547 listens, which means we probably make about 10,000 listens last year. The number one episode was August 27th, which was listened to 140 times. Top countries, United States, followed by Japan and Germany. And the top cities, once again, San Jose, San Francisco, and Ashburn, Virginia. I don't know who lives there in Virginia, but I love you. So, um, and surprisingly, the the most used way was RSS feed uh, last year. 4,700 RSS feeds. So, um, thank you all. As I said, on the end of year one, I, I really appreciate all the listens, but that's pretty damn good. Um, and that's just what I can track on... SoundCloud, uh, don't get any of the other feeds. So we're going to go in 
do a little funny thing right up front. Um, I can't believe a person would self-own themselves like Jim Acosta did. And I, I got led on to it because, once again, I don't watch CNN. Stephen Miller, by the end of the day, CNN is going to be begging Trump to deport Acosta. Rarely has a reporter actively gone out of their way to corncob themselves like we've seen him do today. It's a miracle. There's no emergency and things are quiet where there is a barrier. Here's a spot with no barrier where migrants come through. Jesus fucking Christ, he's made a better case for a wall in one day than Trump is screaming about it for two years. It starts with his tweets. Spotted various method of border protection down in McAllen. Steel slats, levees, chain link fence, razor wire, plus law enforcement and border patrol. I found some steel slats down on the border, but I don't see anything resembling a national emergency situation. At least not in the McAllen, Texas area of the border where Trump will be today. The steel slats don't run the entire length of the border in McAllen. We found one part with a chain link fence. Occasionally migrants come through, but residents say the community is quiet and safe. And oh, by the way, the Burger King is literally downhill from where we shot this for folks who are wondering why it shows up because this location where he tweeted was Burger King. Caleb Hull. Jim Acosta just posted one of the biggest self-owns ever. He's walking along the border where there's a wall in place talking about how there's nothing that resembles a national emergency situation and there's no migrants trying to rush in. Because there's a wall there, Jim. I put it as the intro so you could just literally hear him scrambling as an activist to show there's no emergency Disprove Trump, make him a liar, find the few citizens that he can talk to to literally say everything's okay. Well, of course it's okay. There's a goddamn wall. Our FFE section on what else CNN did that day to try to own the president shows once and for all, if you're on the fence on what CNN is, they're a democratic organization. Sean Agnew, Dear Diary, I just committed a Texas-sized cell phone. Reagan Battalion. Um, to anyone who says that Acosta is a hack, watch this video. Would a hack go down to the border and practically do a commercial on behalf of Trump proving that the wall works? Charles Cook. Presumably, Jim, the counter-argument would be that you don't see a national emergency situation precisely because there's a wall. Pablo Venaro, so you saw no national emergency where the wall was built. Walls are clearly bad for our country because this one's keeping Jim Acosta in. Yeah, there's no point of a wall. Now hang out there where there's no wall at night and come talk to us. Maddie, I'm no immigration expert, but maybe they're trying to immigrate at border locations that don't have giant steel slats. Just a thought, Jim. But seriously, keep up the great work. This is great reporting. You can't fix stupid. This is the self-own of the century. But they weren't done. They got citizens. Liberal ones. What, what's your name, sir? Jose Davila. Jose. And you said you've lived here in McAllen, this area, your yes, whole life? Yes, my whole life. And what, what is your sense of the crime situation here? Is there a lot of crime? Not, a, not, a, not at all. Whatsoever. Not at all whatsoever. It's been a peaceful uh, city, all the valley. 
family people, people that know each other for generations and generations. And are there migrants coming across the border, yeah, Mexicans yeah, who come migrants. in, do they do they cause a lot of crime? Are no, they I killing people so. and no, that's sort of... No, they're not. It's a total lie. And what do you think when the president uh, says these sorts of things? He's, he's a national born liar. That's how you feel? That's how I feel. And what's your name, ma'am? Nadine. Nadine? Yes. And you're from here in McAllen, Texas? Mm -hmm. Yes. This area? Uh-huh. And I was just wondering, do you find that there are immigrants coming from Mexico and hurting people over here, like shooting, uh, murders, uh, that kind of crime going on here? Well, I've been here about 10 years, and I've never personally seen any of that. Did, do you ever hear about that kind of stuff going on? or? Um, I mean, you do hear that there's shootings and this, but it's not necessarily people who have crossed. I mean, it's just local crime. Local crime. And you're not finding a situation here where the, the immigrants are coming over or the Mexicans are coming over or whoever and causing a lot of crime and mayhem? No. No, I haven't. And is it pretty safe to live here in McAllen? Is it pretty safe around yes. here? Yes. Here in McAllen, Hidalgo, I've been here for... Like I said, 11 years, I'm originally from Virginia, and here it's actually very calm, very safe for me, for what I've seen. Okay, all right. Thank you very much. Oh, you. Nice talking to you, Nadine. Nice Comfortably smug. I know someone who has a family friend in McKelling go through their daughter getting kidnapped, raped, and taken to Mexico and held for ransom. Reporters who treat these experiences as if they never happened or as a joke are the absolute worst. Even Donald Trump and Trump Jr. got in on it. Dear Diary. <laughs> Somebody else. Please, oh, Donald Jr. Of course you don't, Jim. That's because walls work. Thanks for helping prove real Donald Trump point and simultaneously creating one of the best cell phone videos ever. Others, please run this in your campaign, Mr. President. Jim Acosta tried to respond back. It's a little strange, Don. You guys seem to be saying the current measures in place are working. Does that mean your dad should reopen the government and get federal employees back to work? Bye-bye. Hashtag bye-bye. Because they're still butthurt because he walked out. His reply, I know this might be hard for you to comprehend, Jumbo, but the reason why all of Twitter has been mocking you today is because you are at a part of the border with a wall. So yes, of course it was working. Replicate that across the border and we'll be safer. Real news. Bye-bye. Sarah Sanders busted him. Luke Gibson Sr. Thank you, Jim, for checking that out for us. It's quite pretty tranquil. The wall must be working. Thanks so much for moving the president's point. Buck Sexton. Is it possible Acosta is actually a pro-Trump false flag operating under deep cover in the media? If so, he's a genius. Who needs SNL when CNN gives us exquisite self-trolling gems like this? Joe Concha, Mediate, which is a liberal source run by Dan Abrams. He got to run this. Costa's getting Twitter treatment today on his report from the border, but not by the usual people who criticize him, but even by former CNNers like Peter Hamby. This is what Peter Hamby said. I am shocked that a glib video customized for retweets and filmed in broad daylight along one of the more secure parts of the RGV by our porter who parachuted in for one day did not reveal anything dramatic. For actual journalism and expertise from the U.S.-Mexican border, please follow reporters like this. Benny, 
This is a wreck for the ages from a former CNN employee. The same day this went down, and CNN made it like, oh, it's all bullshit. He's just a xenophobe. 20 dead in grisly Mexican gang battle near U.S. border. Mexican authorities are investigating a battle between two suspected gangs that left at least 20 bodies, 17 of them burned, in a border town near where the president was. It's just right across the area. 56 miles from McAllen. Five burned vehicles were also found near the bodies, a security official said. Separate state security officials said on Thursday that 21 bodies have been found at the site. Buku articles from other than CNN. On the same day that White House Chief Correspondent Jim Acosta posted a report from McAllen, Texas, assuring Americans that there wasn't anything resembling a national emergency, at least not there, very different reports are coming out of Mexico. 21 bodies. They didn't put maps up and said, yeah, go suck it. Technofog. I try not to get autobiographical, but I live five minutes from the RV park, chimney park. I'm an expert on the area. Let me tell you why there's no fence. For starters, there's nothing on the Mexican side. Less urban density means less cover. Nowhere for smugglers to hide. Also, the Rio Grande is wider and deeper in this section than in other parts. It's a logistical challenge. There's lots of security in the area. CBP office is 10 minutes away. This section of the Rio Grande is constantly monitored by boats. A cir- I circled a gas station six miles away. That's where they fill up the boats. The next door apartments are full of CBP, ICE, Texas, DPS agents. The location is 10 minutes from Anzulis International Bridge, an area of heightened security with a good amount of aircraft helicopter activity. Also, there's a levee just inside the Texas side and an elevated road picture that goes down to Grand Grandiejo, Texas, three miles away. Levee ends at RV Park. Roads continue. The levee roads provide a great visibility. CBP trucks were constantly there. As a final layer of security, Greg Agabit, Texas, sent lots of DPS troopers on the border. You see many on the south side of the Mission, Texas, near RV Park. Mission, Texas, is on live PD, and they're always interdicting immigrants. They help tremendously. TD, TLDR, Costa doesn't understand why there's no fence in the RV park. It gets worse for Acosta. He was about 25 yards from a boat ramp, sometimes used by Customs and Border Patrol. He was 50 yards away from a vantage point routinely used by Customs and Border Patrol. You can actually see a Border Patrol SUV stationed right next to the RV park in the Google Maps. It's a natural, a natural observation point. But that's just one case, just 21 people. Oh, no, here we go. Tell Pelosi and Schumer three of their harmless illegals were just arrested for stabbing. Just one day after Democratic leaders denied that there's a crisis at the southern border, three illegal immigrants were arrested in New York for stabbing a 16-year-old boy. On Wednesday afternoon, the 16-year-old victim was eating at a Burger King in Long Island with his friend, according to WABC-TV. While they were eating, six of their classmates from Huntington High School entered the restaurant and began staring at them threateningly. The two teens left the fast food restaurant, but they were followed by three students who turned out to be illegal immigrants and MS-13 gang members. A fight broke out in the parking lot with gang members wielding bats and knives. That's when 19-year-old illegal immigrant Ramon Arvelo Lopez stabbed the victim. 
He was taken to Good Samaritan Medical Hospital. Now that's just two, Tony. Oh, wait a minute. Here's Obama's ice head. Joining us tonight is Mark Morgan. He's the former head of the Border Patrol under Barack Obama. He was then replaced by the Trump administration, and we're glad to talk to him again for the second time this week. Mr. Morgan, thanks a lot for coming back. When you hear the term manufactured crisis from politicians and their lackeys in the press, what's your response? My response is that those people that are saying that, anybody that says that, Tucker, is misinformed, and they're misleading the American people. So before I was even chief of the Border Patrol, I served in the FBI for two decades. One of my assignments is I led the El Paso office. From my office, right on the border, I could see Juarez. Every single day, Tucker, we worked with the DEA and all components of DHS, and we worked human trafficking cases, we worked drug cases, and we worked and gang cases, all impacting the southern border. And then as chief, every single day, Tucker, I was briefed every single day about the men and women who are risking their lives every day and they're apprehending murderers, rapists, pedophiles, other violent offenders and gang members. That's not manufactured. That is real and that's a fact and it's still happening today. And I would also say one last point is 127 Border Patrol agents have died. They didn't die playing Monopoly. They died defending, being the frontline defenders of our borders trying to apprehend that 17,000 people, the bad people, the Secretary Nielsen mentioned. I wonder if you ask their families if this is a manufactured crisis. Same guy then rips all, all Alexandria, AOC, I can't say her fucking name. Nearly, nearly daily she opens her mouth and confirms she doesn't know what she's talking about. Latest case in point, the Democratic Socials New York took to MSDNC our way to discuss immigration. We played it. All right. It's a very different story from the U.S. Border Patrol, the Uniform Law Enforcement Agency. The president should not be asking for more to an agency that has systematically violated human rights, she said. The president, the president, the president, the president, the president. Blah, blah, blah. Let me get to the part where he dogs her. It's incredible. Every time she opens her mouth, she's wrong. She supposedly went to college in Boston. She must be an embarrassment to that institution. She needs to do her homework. First of all, no child died in ICE custody. That was a different agency. That was the Border Patrol, and they did everything they could to save the life. That child was in bad shape. A seven-year-old Guatemalan girl who died after trekking hundreds of miles with her father. La, 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 la. We talked about it. He goes on, just dogs her. Just keeps dogging her. She doesn't know what the fuck she's talking about. And it's clearly obvious Jim Acosta doesn't either because he didn't do his homework. But you're not going to hear that from our media. The Weather Channel. Yeah, I just said the Weather Channel. If you ask the climate migrants, climate migrants, I don't even know what the fuck that is, who lived through the severe drought and the hunger that followed, they'll say they joined the caravan with something they simply had to do. This is the story you need to hear. The hunger that consumes you. The video follows the trail of a migrant caravan from southern Mexico to the U.S. border in Tijuana, at which point the narrator says, as they just cross the wall, they're so close to their American dream, but have no idea how to finally reach it. The video then cuts to an audio of Donald Trump saying the United States will not be a migrant camp, will not be refugees holding facility. The very end of the video, the woman and child were used in the Weather Channel tweet. A couple of weeks after we had filmed with her, Fiabo Diaz got in touch. We were surprised to learn that she and Yeltsin had made it to North Carolina and that she had been granted temporarily at supervisory asylum until 2020 because she legally migrated. Drew didn't know the Weather Channel 
have gotten political. Guess is expected with any media nowadays, though. Sad. I guess they missed it when you became an arm of the Democratic Party. Instead of politics, to do the weather. If I wanted politics, I'd go to C-SPAN or CNN. Politic and the weather. Just get the fucking forecast right. Then you got a Democratic representative of California. If real Donald Trump declares a national emergency to pay for this border wall, we'll fight him in Congress, in the courts, and in the streets. I only saw this because Dana Loesch retweeted it. Fighting in the street? What is it with California congressmen that want to fight and nuke the citizenry? Another Democrat who wants to disarm us is preaching he will fight us in the streets. Cool story, bro. Make the move. <laughs> then we find out from Alex Ward, so Representative Elliot Engel plans to terminate the House Foreign Affairs Subcommittee on Terrorism and replace it with a committee to investigate Trump. Alex Griswold, the optics there are terrible. I have to suspect Engel will eventually reverse his course. So we're not gonna we're not gonna look at terrorism. He literally said, Trump, in other words, is a bigger threat than terrorism. Terrorism. Alapunda. A lot of righteous, angry chatter yesterday about Trump comparing Nan- Chuck and Nancy unfairly to Chinese. But, er, let me read that. There wasn't a great clamor to keep the terrorism panel. Engel told me, whereas there's no end to the foreign... Trump's foreign policy scandal that his members are pushing to investigate. We just thought if we're going to do something relevant in this era where Congress is going to reassert itself, where there are so many questionable activities in his administration vis-a-vis foreign policy, that it made sense to have this. Trump, in other words, is a bigger threat than terrorism, at least for now. Hmm. But that's not the childish thing. Representative Jackie Spear and Jared Huffman took trash from a park and threw it at the front of the fucking White House because of the shutdown. Yeah. And meanwhile, in Los Angeles, they're legalizing street vending so illegal immigrants can make money. And they can just do whatever they want. These people are working against security. They don't care. They don't care about secure borders. They don't care that America's getting killed. How do I know that? Here's Anna Navarro on CNN as a person who's for border security is talking about the deaths. She's filing her fucking nails. You know, when I talk about the president creating the fiction of a brown menace, which I use that phrase to describe this idea, fake idea, of dangerous migrants coming to get us, his people don't like it. He doesn't like it. They both say that he doesn't see people that way. Really? Then why does his namesake put something like this on Instagram? You know why you can enjoy a day at the zoo? Because walls work. Now, he took it down because that's what you do when you get caught doing something stupid. But it sounds like the making of a great debate. So let's bring in Anna Navarro and Steve Cortez. And Brother Cortez, we've had this discussion many times. Um, I think the president would have been better served if he started where he ended last night. Uh, we need more resources to x-ray vehicles and detect drugs and vehicles. We need more resources, human resources. Uh, we need more judges. We need to think about accommodations. And we have to have physical barriers. They matter, too. If he had done it in, in that order and in that way, he would have been better off. But he didn't. He did it by demonizing the people that come into this country and saying that a wall 
would no. make it all better. His son is echoing that thought. He compares the situation to a zoo. And we all get it. You know, you, you don't have to be fan, you know, sophisticated to get it. That's what they're about calling these people animals and wanting to treat them that way. Fair criticism? No, no, no. No, that's not fair to say they. It's not, it's not fair. Donald Trump Jr. said that, not the president. That's just not fair, Chris. Why? Because it was Donald Trump Jr. The president didn't tweet that, didn't put that statement out. Donald Trump Jr. did. He shouldn't have. He should apologize for it. It's inappropriate. It's offensive. Uh, he has no role in the administration. He has no government position. He's not like his sister or his brother-in-law. He's certainly not his father, who was elected the president of the United States. But it's unfair for you to try to drag the president into that, and then you almost sneak in there a they, as if the two of them decided uh, that these are animals at a zoo that we're trying to keep out. No, that's, that's not the reality. president didn't say that. He's okay. never said that. Two points uh, to you, Anna. First, Steve has never hesitated to throw my brother at me. Uh, whenever it suits him politically, by the way, you forget that it's for convenient for reasons. No, for, no, please, no, it's no, 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 spare no, no. me for the BS. Reasons. All right, I've had enough today. Anna, here's the point. No, that's not BS. That's, no, no, it's for complete policy BS. reasons. When he says that this ice is a, a bunch policy of bugs, reason, that's my that point. is his. That is his statement. I hear you. It just doesn't make any sense. Anna, the president has said it, these people are rapists and animals. They're coming here. There are wor- the worst are coming this way. They're a marauding horde. His son obviously believes it. They all believe it. That's the mentality that leads you to think you're a wall away from being protected by these people. Fair point or no? Uh, Yes. I mean, I think, look, I think he is echoing his father, which uh, who demonizes immigrants time and time and time and time again. And I think he does this a lot. Right. Echo his father on many points. But frankly, look, first of all, uh, zoos maybe have fences to protect the animals from people like Donald Trump Jr., who like to shoot them. But, you know, at the end of the day, <laughs> Donald Trump Jr., and whatever he says, can I, can I just file my nails? I mean, this Good is problem. an entitled, rich, spoiled little brat whose only call to fame is being his daddy's son, who hasn't built anything of his own, who hasn't done anything of his own, who is somehow trying to hang on to the fame of his father in order to have some level of relevancy. Steve is right. He didn't even make the cut that his brother-in-law and sister did to be part of the uh, Oval Office and the White House staff. Uh, Daddy kept Fredo back home. So who cares what Donald Trump Jr. says? Who cares what Donald Trump Jr. says? All right, I, don't, you know what? I don't want to talk about Anna, Anna, you, you know, said, that entitled Anna, little brat. You just said that the you just said that the president demonizes immigrants, and this is another sort of sleight of hand uh, that the left loves to try to uh, to put over on the American people. He has never demonized immigrants. He is against illegal aliens. He is against breaking and entering into our country. He's against a lawless border. He loves he legal has immigration. Talked about As a matter of fact, he literally Steve, so, I he's have married. Asked you, I have, Steve, he's I have asked you in the past. Let me tell you this. Come no, on. wait, let me say this. Go ahead, go ahead. I have asked you in the past, and I will ask you again today, to stop referring to me as left. Let me remind you that I was a Republican when Donald Trump was a Democrat. I was a Republican when Donald Trump you're was an very, independent. You're a very I was a Republican, Republican and supporting Republicans when Donald Trump had if, Hillary look, and Bill Clinton at his wedding and was giving like, Nancy Pelosi money. So the fact that people like you have enabled Donald Trump to take this party hostage and change and give up and compromise really? convictions and principles, Republican ones, that I grew up with, does not make me left. 
I fled left. This I is the most conservative. This is so the most conservative left, president. You know, you since can do Ronald whatever Reagan. you want. He, the fact that he I might do not. Let's get back, let's get back to the subject matter. Let's does get, not make me laugh. All right, I he hear might you be on the that, most Anna. conservative president You're, since Calvin Coolidge. But hold on. So if you oppose the conservative policies on this president, you are de facto a left. Demonizing demonizing migrants is not a conservative value. Not a conservative. Do you think having sex with a constitutional judges? Do okay. you think Wait. cheating on the stripper with a Playboy bunny is conservative values? I, do you think trade wars are conservative values? I don't think that has anything to do values? with policy. Do you think pulling really? out of yes, Syria is a yes. conservative I think, value? I think, Give me a break. I think, constitutional, I think constitutional judges and tax cuts and sovereignty over our country Un, and controlling our borders, unpaid those for are tax absolutely cuts conservative values. cripple macros. the deficit is a conservative policy value. Come on, Steve. Yes, because of the growth. Yeah, yeah. Did you notice by the, the jobs you, report that we got last week? Did you notice the national the best debt manufacturing year? Did you notice the, the national debt? Yes. Chris, I will I will agree with you that the debt when we cut taxes often the debt first grows before economic growth becomes so large that it compensates for the it's it, look it's it's pain pennies for pounds later. Listen, and that, that is, is what trickle happens down often economics. With tax cuts. That is it the is, hope. That's not the history or the reality. But let's stick to what we're it's talking about right now. Let's talk the about Reagan the shutdown tactic. politics. Fair point to both of you. I don't usually talk about his kids. I don't believe in that. Why? Because I grew up as one. That's why. And I understand that you're going to stick to your own, even if it doesn't make political sense, because he's your papa. I get it. So let's keep the sun out of it. What I'm saying is this. He does demonize. When he was talking about the caravan, he did it. When he described them during the primary, Those he called are illegal them rapists. And, no, they're not. Migrants trying to come to this country, you haven't even decided whether or not they should get in or not. You haven't even heard their case yet. And you're deciding that they're Chris, illegal? Chris, you, you don't even know, know who they are. Yes, you know that you know that the vast majority of them have been abusing and gaming our asylum system. And I that's do not, not my know opinion. That. that is what this that is what the statistics tell the us. Statistics because, do and the reason not we tell know us it that. also only Yes. Chris, they do. Only 10% of people from those three Central American countries That's not abuse. are the preponderance of the that caravan. That is our only system that only allows in one out of ten. And, That's our system. That doesn't mean that, that they if, don't have a bona fide wanted, claim. That means that we Chris, don't think if, they have if they one. they did... No, here's the other reason we know they don't have a bona fide claim, because they would do it in Mexico. They wouldn't cross an enormous country to reach our border, except for the fact that they're economic migrants. Let's just be honest about this. They're not asylum seekers, or they would take asylum in Mexico where it was offered to them. The fact that they traverse Mexico to come here tells us that they're economic migrants. They want to be Americans. Right, I but here's, what, way, here's what you're ignoring that. about that. I would want to be an American, to too. She's done with the nails and the embry board, although that was a great prop. I want, to, I want you to know that. I think that you probably brought it in by accident, but it worked very well for you, Anna. Kudos to you. The idea that if you're coming here out of economic desperation, it somehow doesn't count anymore. That it certainly shouldn't count as asylum, but it also somehow makes you illegitimate. How are you with that, Anna? Okay, I think uh, this is a country that has been uh, built by people who came here as refugees, many for political reasons, many for economic reasons. Uh, you know, it's the people who do some of the hardest jobs in this country. And yesterday, that, that you know, address to Trump Nation that uh, President Loco gave was full of inaccuracies and, and misleading statements. First thing he did was start off trying to pit brown and black versus each other, which he likes to do. And then he ended with an entire you know, segment about uh, criminal aliens and the cost. And when we all know that native-born have a higher criminal record and higher criminal ratings than, than immigrants do. But this is something that he goes 
again and again and again and again to you know I, I keep wondering just how long he's going to be able to play this same song and the same record how long can he go back to the wall okay. I think he thinks it's a winning strategy for him uh, and I don't think it is but I think he's going to continue going back to final it. point Steve what Cortez. you just cited about about criminality between native born and immigrants first of all that's not true there's a lot of conflicting studies but even no, there is true only okay. when you no include the yeah, yes, illegal entry no. as criminality do you get the numbers where you want them no to that's be. not true yes that's, that's not true John yes. Lott did an extensive study of Arizona there are there are conflicting Please. studies but listen no even if I were to grant you that point even, yes there are no but even if I that's fake news to say there are not it's fake news it's fake news for you to inject BS and say that it's Look, equal to the real data. It's not Continue. BS. But even if I were to, even if I were to grant you that, okay, the point is the illegal alien crime rate should be zero. It should be. You can do your nails. You know who can't do their nails are people who have been killed, Anna, by dangerous known illegal aliens who've been allowed to stay in this country because of the leftist policies that people like you promote in so-called sanctuary cities I'm so tired to allow of them to hide in plain sight. Already. Just and because then, you want to compromise your values. Well, I don't care if you're tired of it. Go back to, Listen, I don't go care. Back to filing I don't your nails. I don't care what you call me. To me, you're <clears> practically as irrelevant as Donald Trump Well, you sure seem to care. Well, no, I don't, I don't have to in, care. Officers saying in California can't file his you nails, Anna Navarro. Maybe you can. He doesn't have that luxury because he's my, you know, dead. When and I, he's dead I was, because I was an illegal alien who was twice arrested, who was a known crime member, was talking over each other. Stay in this country because of misguided leftist Let me just tell you something. Get down off the soapbox. Because if you want to worry about who can file their nails, worry about who can pay their damn bills. This shutdown is on your head, my brother. This is what the president wanted. He has it now, and people are paying the price. And until he ends it, they won't be filing their nails or doing anything else that a paycheck provides. Anna Navarro, Steve Cortez, we've got to keep talking. To oh, do you? Well, that's the best thing I've ever heard you say on this show. I hope you're right. I found that in a story about the three illegals who stabbed the team. Yeah. And then let's just get into statistics. You want to hear about some statistics? Here we go. At least 88 police officers in the United States were killed while on duty in 2018. 47 of them from the gunfire. I know left. You don't care. You don't care if law, law enforcement die. This total is down from 127 in 2017 and 135 in 2016. Illegal immigration leads to 2,200 deaths, 118,000 rapes, and 138,000 assaults. In the United States. The unauthorized immigration population is 10.7 million. Unaccompanied alien children apprehensions by Border Patrol in the United States in 2017 was 41,000. Then we break down what's in our system right now. As reported by the Texas Department of Public Safety... 251,000 criminal aliens have been booked in the local Texas jails between June 1st, 2011 and April 30th, 2018. 663,000 criminal offenses, 1,351 homicides, 7,156 sexual assaults, 9,938 weapon charges, 79,049 assaults, 18,685 burglaries, 79,900 drug charges, 815 kidnappings, 44,882 thefts, 4,292 robberies. In Texas! Because remember, Texas and Arizona are the only people that track this. 
The rest of the country, the Department of Justice doesn't. Because if you tracked it, you're a racist. You're being racist. One state. That much crime. Because once again, not all Mexicans are murderers and rapists. That's never what he said. It's not what it is. But these people are leaving their country for a reason. These people aren't the good people from the country. Democrats, Lemocrats, which is the same thing, they're always saying how important we have these people in our country. We need these people. No, you don't. Most of these people couldn't make it in their own country. They're coming here so they can get fucking freebies, which California hands out. Most democratic cities just hand them free shit. While you and I, oh, go fuck yourself. You're down on your luck? Fuck you. You can't even get Affordable Care Act. They can. And while we're on stats, DOJ report reveals a whopping percentage of criminal firearms obtained illegally. Data showed that a whopping 43% of prisoners surveyed it obtained it in off the street or an underground market, while 7% found it and 6% stole it. Additionally, 25% had obtained it from a family member or a friend. The survey added among prisoners who possessed a firearm during the offense in which they were in prison, 7% of the state and 10% of the federal prisoners serving sentences in 2016 bought or traded for the firearm from a gun shop or gun store. Only 10%. And seven. Only 7% of the state and 8% of the federal prisoners who had a firearm during their crime bought the firearm under their own name from a licensed broker. Out of that number, the majority claimed they had been background, they, there had been a background check. The survey noted among prisoners who possessed a gun during their offense, 90% did not obtain it from a retail source. Only a minuscule 1.3% of prisoners obtained a gun from a retail store and used it during their offense. The survey found that roughly 20% of state and federal prisoners who had a firearm during their offense had gotten it with intent to use it for the crime. Among state prisoners who possessed a gun during their offense, 27% killed someone with it. The survey stated that roughly 29% of state and 36% of federal prisoners serving a sentence for a violent offense in 2016 possessed a firearm during the crime. About a quarter of the state, 23%, and 25% of federal prisoners serving time for violent offenses used a firearm during the crime. Three in ten were black prisoners serving a sentence in state prison in 2016 possessed a firearm during the crime. White was 12 Hispanic was 29. Similarly, 17% white, 13% Hispanic, 29% black in federal prisons used a gun during the crime. Just by stating all of that, I'm a fucking racist. Because facts are racist. We'll learn in News and Social Media Nuggets Saying exotic is now racist. Hmm, okay. Then this week, just to keep the bad up front, a sculpture for the G20s. They have a Saudi Arabian one. Yeah. Big statue. Because Democrats don't give a fuck that 3,000 fucking people died. 
and 6,000 soldiers died. They don't give a fuck. They don't care. But the money shop, before we go into one of the worst things I knew happened, but was confirmed ever in our media, starts our fire effect. And yes, it's CNN again. Under the Obama administration in 2010, the Bureau of Land Management posted signs in Arizona. And I just want you to think, the same people who are on your TV with CNN helping are saying there's nothing to be fear on the border. These are all peace-loving people. It's the same thing they said about Al-Qaeda. They'll say about ISIS. They're just misunderstood. They chopped that person's head off, but he had it coming. Well, they posted these signs, and this is what the signs say. Danger. Public warning. Travel not recommended. Active drugs and human smuggling area. Visitors may encounter armed criminals and smuggling vehicles traveling at high rates of speed. Stay away from trash, clothing, backpacks, and abandoned vehicles. If you see suspicious activity, call 911. BLM encourages visitors to use public lands north of Interstate 8. Obama put those signs up. But there's nothing to fear. And our last point, Senator Feinstein and company are running around with this statistic, which is true. But what does it say about our problem with American immigration? Fact check, nearly half of all undocumented immigrants come to the United States legally, but then overstay their visa. A border wall would do nothing to curb visa overstays. So 50% of them come in here illegally, and she doesn't fucking care because she doesn't want a wall. The other 50% come in legally, and then they say, fuck you with the visa, we're just going to stay here. And once again, that's her fault because her state's a sanctuary state. So their argument is, we don't want a fucking wall, and we're not going to enforce the immigration laws anyway, so you just shut your dirty mouth. How is that an argument, and how is the media not crushing them for that argument? A, you don't want to stop them from coming in the country. You don't even want a border, and you don't want ICE. B, well, they do visa overstay, but they just move out to California, or New York City, or any major fucking liberal city in the country. They don't have to redo their visa, because you don't enforce it. You don't even help ICE get them, even if they're murderers, because that's the only time ICE goes after them. They fucking commit a crime. You don't want that touched. Because they're peace-loving fucking Hispanics who will hopefully vote for you one day when you somehow figure out how to fucking grandfather all of them and get them instant citizenship. Fuck all you people from Europe and other countries. Just the brown people is all we want. Got a soundbite somewhere in here where they're saying, oh, Trump doesn't want brown people. Well, I would say your immigration is you only want brown people. They can come in here illegally. Everybody else, send them the fuck back. Sounds like you're both racist. So two are fire for effect. That's a shitty opening, man. It starts with funny about Acosta. But just Texas is crying. If every state tracked it, what are the numbers literally... Now, I'm not with a Trump 
They're all, you know, what, what they say he says, they're all rapists and murderers. But goddamn, that's a lot of crime, folks. Illegal immigrant crime. That was 2016. I doubt it's improved. Arizona, I, I couldn't get their stats because you Google this and all you get is WAPO and New York Times article from Google saying Trump lied. Rebutting his 256,000 crimes. He's just using Arizona and Texas, folks. We don't know the rest. We don't know what happens in California. We don't know what happens in New Mexico. We don't know what happens in Arkansas, Mississippi, Tennessee. North Carolina, where they're dumping these migrants. We don't know. Because they don't track it. So here we go to Tucker Carlson, Doggin Acosta, and John Corneth breaking out facts. Because it's a fact that we have a problem with immigration and the Democrats don't care. Before you, you see, um, maybe we'll have somebody go through some of the uh, things that are in front of us. But I see here, for example, heroin and methamphetamine that's been seized. You see bulk cash, $362,000. When the drugs are sold in the United States, they have to get the cash back across the border uh, to the uh, cartels. And you see the sorts of weapons that are used by the drug cartels and others, and you can imagine the violence that goes along uh, with that. And so when I, when people like Ted and I hear our colleagues in Washington say that um, this is a manufactured crisis, we kind of wonder what planet they've been living on. Uh, because this is not just about economic migrants. This is about people who exploit the vulnerabilities in our border. This is about the 70,000 people who died of drug overdoses in America just last year. A substantial portion of it is from the heroin that comes from Mexico. Ninety uh, percent of the heroin that is used in the United States comes from Mexico. And as you point out, the uh, human tragedy associated with human trafficking, sex slavery, modern-day right. slavery, all of that's associated with our inability to control uh, the way we need to control our southern border. So thank you for being here. Thank you. In fact, this debate is over. We're not getting a barrier along our southern border. We can't. Not now. Not ever. That possibility was permanently destroyed today by a fact-seeking missile of truth launched by one of our country's premier cable news outlets. In a single devastating act of journalism, CNN killed the wall took their biggest guns to do it. The network dispatched its chief White House correspondent slash moral philosopher slash renaissance poet, Jim Acosta, to the U.S.-Mexico border, specifically to the town of McAllen, Texas. Once on the ground in McAllen, Acosta wasted no time in proving once and for all that walls don't work. Watch the stand-up that changed history. And here are some of the steel slats that the president's been talking about. But as we're walking along here, we're not seeing any kind of uh, imminent danger. There are no migrants trying to uh, rush toward this fence uh, here in the McAllen, Texas area. No sign of the national emergency that the president has been talking about. Uh, as a matter of fact, it's pretty tranquil down here. You see that? Take that, you nativist bigot freaks, you creepy wall obsessives. Jim Acosta just spanked you. He was there. 
not in some cushy air-conditioned studio in Washington with the rest of the talking heads, but in the field, on the scene, doing the kind of hard-boiled shoe-leather reporting that has made Jim Acosta a household name. Acosta went right to the wall itself, the very wall he finds immoral and is often argued against at press conferences. And what Jim Acosta found there will shock you. Not a single illegal alien was anywhere near that wall. There was no tent city. There were no predatory gang members or coyotes. MS-13, not there. There was no sad, suffering caravan. Everything was just fine. Or as Jim Acosta so memorably put it, the area around that steel barrier was pretty tranquil. See? That's what you get when you build walls, America. Tranquility. And that's the last thing we need more of in this country. More peaceful, bucolic scenes like that. Wait, that can't really have been Sinan's point, could it? Now it's getting confusing. We'll have to call Jim Acosta once he gets back from his latest mission and clear this up. In the meantime, though, we just want to give you some idea of how stupid and buffoonish the wall coverage has been recently, in case you missed it. Never before have I turned on you when you look too good to me. It's a free-for-all edition Flyover Politics Podcast Woohoo! We lost 3,000 people, uh, more or less, on 9-11 that justified going to war in Iraq and Afghanistan, and our troops are still there to varying degrees. 3,000. With the southern border, we had the loss of at least 15,000 Americans a year. By what? That's part of the justification. By, by what? You have 2,000 that are homicides by, 2,000 that are homicides mm -hmm. by uh, illegal aliens, according to federal government data. You've got another 15,000, mm -hmm. 16,000 that die each year from heroin overdoses, 90% of which comes across our poorest southern border. All right. That's not counting the 55,000 additional deaths that, that are caused take that. by overdoses. Let me take a significant amount of which comes across the southern border. The so how many it. dead people do you have to have, John? Let me, let me take those statistics. Let me take those statistics one at a time. Yes. The predominant amount of heroin does come over the southern border, but the vast majority of it comes at ports of entry, number one. Number two, you said there are those people who have died at the hands of undocumented immigrants. Let me put up this chart. The crime rate among undocumented immigrants is actually less That's than, wrong. and this includes, and this includes, this, I, I have looked at those this studies, is from the Cato, this is from the Cato I have, Institute, I have looked at this those is from studies, the Cato Institute, hang on, propaganda, hang on, you not, go ahead and use it, that, this I is from the Cato studies, Institute, a libertarian of group, that off, okay, so, each and every studies, one of them is these studies, which you say flawed, but other people often lean on note, that crime among undocumented immigrants is less than native-born citizens, I will ask you this, if there is a high murder rate among native-born citizens, is that a national emergency? That is totally immaterial to the issue at hand. Why? The issue at hand is how many Americans would be alive today but for our poor southern border, but for illegal aliens and the homicides that they commit upon American citizens. That homicide rate, that homicide women rate. and children that are losing their mm -hmm. lives who would be alive today if is we had a border security, if we had a wall, if we had the gumption here in okay. Congress to protect American lives, you, you and said right the wall. now we don't with the you Democrats. You said the wall. Again, again, we're talking about drugs. 
Most, the vast majority, comes in at ports of entry, not between the ports of entry, not anywhere that a wall would be. I only know before, John, and when you talk about violent crime, what, when you talk about the crime comes, rate, my question what, to you again, you're saying people would be alive. What comes in from Canada and what you, comes you, in through you, ports you, of entry is not the issue. The issue is what comes in across the southern border and whether we want to continue to enable illegal sir, aliens and you're drug conflating cartels the to border. take the lives of American citizens through their marketing of these poisonous substances. You're conflating. And you may want to trivialize no, 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 no. it by talking about other things. I, I'm, I'm not talking about, about I am talking about what you were talking about, sir. You border. are talking about stuff coming over the southern border. What I am telling people let's, let's is that the statistics, 5, including John, the government's own statistics, the government's John. own statistics say most of them come at ports of entry. Democrats, Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi have been indignant. They've been outraged about the very idea of a wall on the border. Nancy Pelosi calling it immoral to put up a wall on the southern border. But as you know, in 2006, there was a Secure Fence Act voted for by many, many Democrats. The vote was 80 to 19 in the Senate. Hillary Clinton, Barack Obama, and yes, Chuck Schumer voted for that 700 miles of fence along the southern border. Are they being disingenuous? Are they being hypocritical now to be suddenly outraged about the very idea of a barrier along the southern border? Well, Willie, all Democrats want to vote for border security. Um, that's what was in the bill that came unanimously out of the Senate uh, last year. That's what I would vote for again. I think we have uh, a real problem with our broken immigration system, uh, and we should be trying to reach for a bigger solution than that. Uh, obviously, I wasn't here in 2006, right. uh, but I would vote uh, to invest more in border, in border security. What I'd like to see us investing in is modern technology, modern solutions that are cost-effective and that will help solve this problem. Do you think walls or fences are immoral along the southern border? Uh, personally, I don't think a fence, if it works, if it's what DHS says is most needed, is immoral. What I think is being talked about here is more some of the immoral immigration practices of this administration, dividing children from their parents at the border, um, treating families in ways that are profoundly uh, risky, dangerous, uh, that violate basic humanitarian principles. Uh, that's what I think is being discussed as immoral, is some of the broader immigration policies. We now have an actual humanitarian crisis on the border that only underscores the need to drop the politics and fix our immigration system once and for all. What else? So, so, so why not sign the other bills, though, so some of these workers can get paid, the government you get paid? You think I should do that? No, do you think I should do that, John? I mean, it's not for me I mean, to I say. I watch your one-sided reporting. Do you think I should do that? <laughs> hey, John. No, seriously, John, do you think I should just sign? Well, the, the argument no, no, tell is... Tell me, tell me. John, do you think I should just sign? I, I, I'm saying that if you sign that, these workers can start getting paid. Uh, the government can so start... So you would do that if you were in my position, you'd do that? I, I'm not in your position. I'm asking you if you've got something you I'm asking you, would you do that if you were in my position? Because if you would do that, you should never be in this position. <laughs> because you'd never get anything done. Goodbye, everybody. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's some uncomfortable moments for Dems. Finished by Obama explaining illegal immigration. Trump used that as a like a troll tweet and him slapping Carl. Because Carl this week decided he wanted to just get all in and be a Dem. Before we get into CNN getting caught, I, I, I just want to... They're throwing everything out and seeing if it will stick. And this is actually a tweet by now this, that new... You know, Twitter news source. Trump's border wall will destroy a butterfly sanctuary that lies along the border. Yeah. 
butterflies now. By the end of the week, CNN will be running that article because butterflies are going to get caught. So, I'm going to play it up front. This is a soundbite from KUSI in San Diego. And I just think this sums up CNN as what used to be the premier news agency. And they've sold their soul to the Democratic National Committee. As a sign of the times in this debate on the shutdown, CNN asked if KUSI would provide a reporter to offer our local view of the debate, especially to learn if the wall works in San Diego. KUSI offered our own Dan Plant, who's reported many times that the wall is not an issue here. In fact, most officials believe it is effective. The issue we face is the migrants and the debate over their treatments. Now, knowing this, CNN declined to have us on their programs, which often present the wall as not required in other places, like the stretch of the Texas border the president visited earlier today. They didn't like what they heard from us. Just some background for you. CNN scraps interview with local California news station after finding pro-wall reports denies bias. Clear sign of liberal media bias comes from what they purposely choose to exclude information that doesn't affirm their agenda. That apparently happened yet again this week after CNN scrapped an interview with the Border City's news station after they had reported that the wall was effective at deterring illegal immigration. After this story received attention, CNN put out a statement Friday denying that there was anything nefarious about what they did, KUSI News in San Diego, California shared last night on their evening news and Twitter that the major network had requested a saying with one of the reporters and denied it. However, the network quickly retreated from the request after the station believed CNN discovered his past reports showing a barrier actually works. KUSI tweeted out their news report calling on out CNN, ghosting them as a sign of the times. KUSI, Thursday morning, CNN called KUSI News Mass Reporter will give them a local review of the debate surrounding the barter wall and government shutdown. After we informed them about our past reports, they declined to hear from us. CNN asked if KUSI would provide a reporter to offer or da-da-da. It's everything we just heard. They didn't like what they heard from us. The station's website goes into detail. We believe CNN declined a report from KUSI because we informed them that most Border Patrol agents we have spoken to, us, the barrier does in fact work. We have continuously been told by Border Patrol agents that the barrier along the southern border helps prevent illegal entries, drugs, and weapons from entering the United States, and the numbers prove it. When contacted by The Hill for a response, CNN claims that was a non-story and the routinely decline interviews that they request. Joe Concha tweeted their full statement and CNN's statement on KUSI San Diego claimed the cable news network didn't book one of its reporters because of its previous reports on border walls. Their reply, we called several local stations to book someone for the show. We didn't end up booking any of them. CNN's statement to me on KUSI claims that happens many times every single day. We did, however, book a reporter from KUSI for a story on immigration, the border wall on CNN in November. This is a non-story. Fox article. 
The McKinnon Broadcasting-owned KOSI is an independent station that is not affiliated with major broadcast networks. Knowing this, CNN declined to have us on their program, which often presents the wall as a not required in other places like the stretch of Texas border the president visited. Um, let me see if they have anything different in this. They go into the Jim Acosta. Caleb mm-hmm. Hole. CNN asked the local news station to provide a reporter to give their local perspective on the border when KUSI News responded and provided them with a reporter who had done extensive reporting on the wall and how it's been effective. CNN changed their mind. I mean, we knew this, but knowing and watching this incredible unethical bias unfold in real time is something else. The narrative must be preserved. Facts first. Forget about it. Another tweeter, the only thing surprising about this story would be if anyone was actually surprised by it. It must be nice to shop around. Do you find someone who will say what you want? Good for the station to say they wouldn't do that. Another tweeter, dear KUSI News, thank you for your response after reviewing the material set. It doesn't neatly conform to our prearranged narrative using our own set of facts. We were looking for facts in that subset to create flashier spin. Please disregard requests. Sincerely, CNN. <laughs> then you know Brian Seltzer is going to come in. At first, KSI News accused CNN of rejecting an appearance by one of his supporters for political reasons, but now the news director is conceding he didn't really know why the network turned it down. The AP. The AP tried to do a story on it. Nobody read it. CNN did the whole, no, it's a non-story. Hannity spreading BS, BS, this is from Seltzer again, about CNN again, CNN PR response. We called several local stations to book someone for a show. We didn't end up booking any of them. That happens many times every single day. We did, however, book our reporter in November. He's lying. Brian Flood, he did a tweet thing. If Hannity is spreading BS, so is Mediate, The Hill, Breibart, Drudge, Fox News, Digital, Newsbusters, Newsweek, The Blaze, Town Hall. Brian Seltzer, yes. It says a lot about the sad state of digital media. Example, last week my show team interviewed several board reporters for great local papers. Then we realized we didn't have time for the segment. These things aren't scandals. They're just daily production decisions. Does anybody believe that if they got an interview from KUSI in San Diego that their populace hates the border wall, it's unnecessary because our crime is zero. CNN wouldn't fit that in somewhere. You're a 24-hour news agency, Brian Seltzer. Steve Krakauer. The reason it's different is because even if the reasons for not using the KUSI reporter isn't because of their perspective, their perspective was missing from yesterday's coverage. So it remains a bias of omission. Even if what they'd said wasn't the reason, they weren't used. Brian Seltzer, did you watch all yesterday's coverage? You really think it was omitted? Joe Norman, please show me the segment where it discussed the wall being effective. I'll wait. Everybody tweeted Brian Seltzer, Jim Acosta. I have never seen a segment on CNN that did not fit the Democratic narrative. I have not seen that segment on CNN for the last six years. They turned hard left when MSNBC started beating them in the the running. So they figured, well, we can't compete with Fox, who's right in the evening. So we're going to go left. Hard left. We're going to get a gay guy who's an African-American. 
That'll get those people watching because he fits a lot of demographics. We'll get a gay white guy. That'll fit some demographics. And we'll get the son of a Democratic governor. We'll bring them in. We'll make some shows. And we'll make some money. Because we need to compete with MSDNC. And all of those people went, yay, I can actually be myself now. I don't have to play a role anymore as a journalist. Brian Seltzer again. At first, KSI, Bubba, reporter, director, Cassini didn't know, but it reports lots of people don't know about news work. Trump is exploiting that example last week. My show, okay, bullshit, same thing. KUSI retweeted back to him a simple tweet. KUSI stands by our original story. Chris Martin. Really interesting episode of CNN going after local media because their border reporting didn't fit the liberal narrative. Conservative Twitter, we should start a GoFundMe to order pizzas for the brave journalist at KUSI, bravely reporting while their First Amendment rights are being attacked by hordes of godless blue checks. (laughs) So, within this was a young lady from KUSI who tweeted, so then this happened today, and she retweeted her network's tweet. That's all she did. Now, I want to just go back in the Wayback Machine. It's like one of those sounds from the bad 70s sitcoms. We talked about Border Live. And during that, I said Bill Weir was the CNN guy who was over there. And he would interject liberal diatribes. But the worst part of the show was the female correspondence who's for No Borders. No border. And the show's tanking. Nobody's watching it. Because it's a liberal version of it where every week you have to listen to some sob story about some immigrant who decided to illegally enter our border and we captured them and their American dreams over because they just didn't come in legally. Which makes nobody upset except for like pages in Oregon who are super lib and think that everybody should just walk in this country free. We just hand them shit. Well... This is what he tweeted her. Genuine question. How does it feel to sell off a chunk of your soul? Was there a moment when you flash back to yourself at Chico? Remember the earnest pull to journalism and had second thoughts? Or were you all in at the morning meeting? So, he's saying you're not a real journalist If you don't report the left agenda reporting like CNN, is that what he's saying? Her reply, genuine answer, I slept just fine last night. I appreciate the background check, but I'm going to stay classy here in San Diego. Hashtag proud wildcat. He then brought up that they didn't really know the reason. She replied, and that's a story we said on air. Don't twist things. Get back to reporting real news. We have some serious problems in this country that need fixing. Stop wasting my time. And she put him in his place. Now, I want to attack that on two reasons. Number one, if a Fox reporter gave the Twitter business to a liberal reporter from another network, oh, they'd be called a sexist, mansplaining, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. But an ex-CNNer who now freelances for Uber, because CNN wasn't left enough for Bill Weir, he's going full-fledged 
crusade, open border, we need to let all these people in, ah, he does it and nobody cares, yeah, so in line with this is CNN's verbiage now, it was back in 2013 that the Associate Press dropped illegal immigrant from its style book, and it looks like news outlets are setting on an undocumented immigrant or just plain immigrant in their coverage. Jim Acosta used it, CNN. An undocumented immigrant in Colorado says he's taking shelter in a church because the government shutdown leaves him no other choices. So that's their new thing. People tore this apart. So when the federal government shutdown hurts illegal aliens, we report on it, you know we are living in screwed up society. Well, at least he has a warm place to rest his illegal law-breaking head while United States veterans and legal USA citizens still are homeless. So good for him. Another, our government should have nothing to do with where he lives. Send him back to the with the paperwork to become a citizen like everyone else has. Another, this is sad, but it's one story. There are more than one story of illegal aliens killing American citizens, but you never see that on CNN, and you don't. It doesn't fit their narrative. So once again, out there in the back row, somewhere in San Jose, oh, that's just one time. No. No, it's not. Seattle Station fires employee after airing doctored and insulting video of Trump. The Seattle Times reported a staffer at a local Fox affiliate, Q13, has been fired after the station aired a doctored and insulting video of the POTUS, first primetime speech from the Oval Office Tuesday. Local radio host Todd Harriman was sent a video from a listener. As the Times reported, the video was changed to make it look as if Trump was sticking his tongue out languidly between sentences. In addition, the colors of the video look more saturated, leading the president's skin to be and hair to appear more orange. This does not meet our editorial standards. Regret if it's seen as a betrayal of the president in a negative light, Q13 News Director Erica Hill wrote in an email statement Friday. Later Thursday, because she started getting ripped up, she released another statement. We've completed our investigation of this incident and determined that the actions were the result of an individual editor whose employment has been terminated. The American people are very skeptical skeptical of fake news in the old media. This won't help. This one starts sourcing. The article goes on to source how 77% of the people polled so the media is liberal to the left. But CNN? You had... You had fucking Costa make an ass out of himself. Them get caught rejecting non-narrative shit. And here's two sound bites. They just keep on keeping on. Right now, we're, we have a family in San Antonio, the Vargas family, suffering because Jared Vargas was murdered by an illegal immigrant last summer who had been captured, released, captured, released. In the state of Texas since 2011, there's been 186,000 illegal immigrants who have been charged with crimes 
for over 400,000 crimes committed. We have a crisis on the border. We have fentanyl coming across our border. And a fence is the basic tool necessary to stem the tide of people coming here illegally. So the president is right to highlight this issue and to work hard to try to secure our border for the people of the United uh, States and for the immigrants who seek to come here. You know, Congressman, I'd see your point if the Cato Institute, uh, a libertarian-leaning think sure. tank, didn't say you shouldn't... Fo Look, I'm... I, my full sympathy is with people who are dealing with these crimes uh, mm -hmm. and, and the impact on their families. But one of the points the Cato Institute made is that immigrants don't, com they commit crimes at a lesser degree than people, than people who are not immigrants, than Americans. And also when it comes to fentanyl, uh, you know, I, I see your point, except that that fentanyl isn't coming across the border. It's coming through, it, it is coming across the border, but through ports of entry. Uh, most of it, the maj vast majority of it, is coming through ports of entry. It's not being uh, crept across the border, uh, as you and other Republicans seem to indicate that it is. So what do you say to those facts? Well, I'm glad you raised that point, because what you do when you secure the border between the points of entry is you focus the attention of our law enforcement personnel and our great Border Patrol agents on the people who are coming through the points of entry but to ensure that we stop fentanyl, so that we ensure that we stop uh, drugs and opioids coming across to But that's, sir, last that's already year. where it's coming through. Well, well, but what you do, if you focus your resources between the points of entry, you're able to make sure that we do a better job stopping it there. And by the way, we don't know full well where it's all coming through. There's a lot of different data on that. But here's the key. We know right this is now. Data, I'm citing, just to be clear, I'm citing yeah. federal data from the DEA. Right. Well, I'll cite data from DPS at the state of Texas, where we know precisely the number of criminals who are existing in the, in the United States, in Texas, who are harming Texas citizens like the Vargas family, the little girls, the 7,000 girls that were put into the human trafficking trade just last year alone. Speaking of winning the argument, John and I have been having a bit of an argument this morning because I feel that when Trump got up, when the president got up from the meeting yesterday with Schumer and Pelosi, I feel he said bye bye like that. Bye-bye, like that. But he feels, he said... Bye-bye. No. He said bye-bye, okay? And I'm sure of it, and I'm so sure of it that right now I'm going to hand out Butterfingers <laughs> for you guys to, while you consider the evidence that I'm going to be giving right now. So I think he said bye-bye, and here is why I think that. Behold. The Democrats, all they do is they get their votes every four years, and then they wave bye-bye. Catch, Catch and release. release. How about that, that one? one? We caught them. Oh, oh, release, release. them. Bye-bye. I used to say grossly incompetent, but stupid stronger, isn't it? I don't know. You look... I rest that's, my that's case. A, John, John that's Berman. a powerful piece of paper. <laughs> hey, John Berman, say, I think yeah. you did. Thank you. Counselor. Counsel Jeffrey Tupin says, case <laughs> closed. Case closed. You've got the jury here. You win. Yeah. Sorry, John Berman. All right. Not that we don't I, love you, I, I but the evidence is really hard I will go eat my candy in the Thank you all very much. Great to see you guys. They just don't care. And none of them do. The whole liberal establishment. Go fund me. They... Refunded all the money. They came up with an excuse that they weren't, that something about, they didn't promise to do this or something, but it was the mob. The mob got to them. The mob got to them. And they just attacked them over and over and over. So they got rid of the GoFundMe. It, there's only one, there's only one right thing. You will be for open borders. You will blame Republicans and Trump for the shutdown.
You will ignore facts, which is what our next segment is. But first, we're going to have a music break. I found an old songstress from back in the day. This girl is ten times hot. She's deceased, of course, because this was the 50s. Julie London. So we're going to do a Julie London song, have a music break, and we're going to come back in to more fact-checking and the shutdown hysterics that is our media. Welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast with Tony Reed. To 
It looked to me like Donna. You you know television. You've been on it a lot lately. I got to tell you something. This president is very good at the theatrics. You might call it the craziness of these rallies he holds. He knows how to talk back and forth. He's interactive. He was terrible last night. There was no interactivity. He's staring in there, looking into the prompter, a little bit off. I noticed about a couple inches off. It wasn't theatrical. Theatrically staged, right? He got nothing out of last night, and the fact that Pelosi. And, uh, and, uh, and Chuck Schumer, who are not TV people especially, beat him out in the ratings, must kill him. Well, it probably does. <laughs> but the thing is, I mean, the president n never is good at reading what he doesn't believe. And so he's reading a statement. He clearly doesn't believe right. it. You know that he wants to get in there and say I something else. And he couldn't. I just want to jump in. And, I, and sir, and I want to open this table because we have to recognize something because my head's going to explode. He's winning here. You have to understand he's going to open the government. He's going to declare an emergency. He's going to say the Democrats closed it. He's going to put the Democrats into court. And what he's done is chipped at our democracy, but that's not going to matter. I hope, Chuck and Nancy, today you're figuring it out because he's going to win this. This is absurd. He will absolutely, absolutely <coughs> declare an emergency. He's a reality show producer and he's producing this. I couldn't figure out why he went on the air the other night because I knew he was going to do it then. He's like, now he gets to say, well, I went on the air, I asked the people, I went down to the border, I had these meetings, and it turns, it's a judo movie, he's going to say, I open the government, which basically plays to every autocratic instinct he has, he loves a pardon, he loves anything he can do with a pure executive order, and now he says, I opened it, and the Democrats are going to want to sue to close it again. The Democrats are going to take it to the courts so I can't protect the country and I can't keep the government open. Now, the Democrats' argument has to become more nuanced. They say, no, 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 we are going to court because he does not have the right to take $5 billion without Congress. That's a more nuanced argument. It's a very, very different argument. Good evening. We have come here to frame the crisis rocking America, not the one the president speaks of at the southern border, but the crisis of dysfunction here in Washington that has ground so much of the government to a halt, and the crisis around kitchen tables where families try to figure out what they'll do come Friday when the government paycheck doesn't arrive. A day after the president's primetime appeal for border wall funding, his face-to-face -face meeting with Democratic leaders here ended in disappointment. The president walking out. And with cracks beginning to emerge of support from his own Republican Party, the president still holds a final card, declaring a national emergency. As the shutdown drags on tonight, there may be signs of cracks among Republican members of Congress, particularly among vulnerable senators up for re-election in 2020. A short time ago, I spoke with Republican Senator Susan Collins of Maine, who says the government should be reopened even without a border wall deal. You heard, of course, that the president walked out of a meeting with Democratic leaders today. What does that signal to you? Well, it makes me very worried about whether we're going to be able to get to a compromise this week. I'm worried about what the end game is. This cannot be allowed to go on forever. Fact-checking became the phrase of the day in the lead-up to the president's remarks last night in which he repeated some misleading and false claims. Let's bring in Meet the Press moderator Chuck Todd. Chuck, do the president's credibility issues make it harder for him to sell this wall? I think that's absolutely the case. You know, we've been checking his honesty and trustworthiness in polling really since he became president. And he is one of these rare presidents whose honest and trustworthy rating is essentially underwater. More people view him 
uh, saying he's more likely to be dishonest than honest on any given issue, particularly, for instance, Russia. So he has this credibility issue. And the problem with the wall, Lester, is that he has used it. Think of the boy who cried wolf. He has been crying wall, 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 admitted that it's really a PR pitch. At times, he's admitted it's a campaign pitch. And then now he wants the country to take all of this very seriously. And I think that's why he sort of ran into his own proverbial wall, if you will, uh, here on Capitol. What else? So, so, so why not sign the other bills, though, so some of these workers can get paid, the government you get You think I should do that? You, 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 no, no, do you think I should do that, John? I mean, it's not for me I mean, to I say. I want your one-sided reporting. Do you think I should do that? <laughs> hey, John. No, seriously, John, do you think I should just sign? Well, the, the argument no, no, tell is... tell me, tell me. John, do you think I should just sign? I, I, I'm saying that if you sign that, these workers can start getting paid. Uh, the government can so start... So you would do that if you were in my position, you'd do that? I, I'm not in your position. I'm asking you if you've had something... You I'm want. asking you, would you do that if you were in my position? Because if you would do that, you should never be in this position. <laughs> because you'd never get anything done. Goodbye, everybody. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Well, back with us now, NBC's Kristen Welker at the White House and Eugene Robinson. So, Kristen, I don't know, would you sign the other appropriation bills, reopen the government, let hundreds of thousands of people get paid, be able to pay their bills, and then negotiate on uh, homeland security the way any other chief executive might do? Yeah. That was pretty amazing. Yeah, they're losing their mind. My favorite ones were, you know, all the fact checks. Uh, fact check strenuously object to factual Trump statements from the New York Times. Then CBS, when he declared that one in three women were assaulted on these trips, they found it to be incorrect and then changed it. Fact check, one in three women sexually assaulted while traveling to cross the border. Fact checked, between 60% and 80% of female migrants traveling through Mexico are raped along the way. Then they caught what they did, and they went back and said, uh, claim, fact check, misleading. Once they realized by acting journalistic, it managed to strengthen the case made by the president, they delete it. So they changed it from incorrect to correct. Then they deleted it, the tweet, because it was supporting Trump. No liberal bias here, though. There, there's no bias. None. Daily Wire. When the facts don't fit the narrative, delete the facts. Steal Magnolia. CBS would rather cover for rapists just so they don't have to be seen supporting Trump. Would rather delete a fact check. And that's exactly what they did. Other one, more angry. CBS, did your network ever, ever fact check any other president as he was speaking? Any. I don't get real angry often, but today, that is beyond insane. Then to delete instead of just reporting the fact, you are beyond redeemable. Dan Bondingo asked a simple question. If walls don't work, explain why. And if walls don't work, what will drones or cameras do? You'll get a nice video or movie of law-breaking with no obstruction to prevent it. This really isn't hard. All day, people tried. Nobody could. Molly Hemingway on the fact-checkers. She cited a Washington Post checker, Salvador Rizzo, 
right but misleading verdict on the number of illegal aliens arrested. They don't like illegal entry being counted as a crime, so the numbers add up, but they're misleading. The total covers all type of offenses, including illegal entry or reentry. ICE does not break down arrests by type of crime, but 16% of the total charges of conviction, not arrest, in 2016, were strictly immigration offenses. Hemingway found no respect for Politico's Politico's Ted Hansen did such a bad fact check that it almost impressive. Among the things he checked as not true was Trump's contention that there's a border crisis. I'm not joking. To quote Michael Stracy, stop fact-checking normative claims and subjective value-based assertion. It degradates the entire enterprise of fact-checking. Fact-checking is obviously needed, but not the bizarre new versions invented by obvious self-satisfied journals. Then she turned to New York Times, which I just talked about, Peter Baker. New York Times article originally headlined, Trump cites misleading statistics of crisis and crime along the border, failed to explain what the misleading statistics were. Perhaps that explains why they changed the headline to Trump escalates border wall fight and national dress. In a rather shrill opinion piece billed as straight news, Peter Baker claimed without evidence that describing the situation as a crisis raised credibility questions. Then he went on to slay straw men and other items the president didn't even mention. Baker also wrote the same non sequitur about heroin entering through legal ports of entry. I don't mean to be insulting, but did they even listen to the president's speech before declaring it false? Heck, here's what Nancy Pelosi even admitted. We can install new technology to scan cars and trucks for drugs coming to our nation. Trump said he's asking for cutting-edge technology for detecting drugs. And Pelosi said we can install new technology to scan. Nobody did anything to her. How does it raise credibility questions to say these things are true? And how are these true things countered by saying, as Baker does, the majority of heroin enters the United States through legal ports of entry, not through open areas of the border? Neither Trump nor Pelosi said they did. Finally, Hemingway mentioned the live fact fail from CBS and how they deleted. Brent Hume had a good thread on the shutdown. Quinn Heiler, question. Why is it always the Democrats who get to blame Republicans for putting government employees out of work and stopping services, rather than vice versa? Both sides are to blame. Dems have the same power to reopen government that GOP does. Media take note, if you have ethics, he said. And then he went on to slay the fact checkers. You saw a lot of fact checks uh, by journalists who really we do count on on questions of policy, because policy should be nonpartisan, really, to be honest. And some of them seem like they were just repeating Democratic talking points. Is that unfair, do you think? Well, what could be a more legitimate form of journalism than checking the facts of what politicians say? It's, it's totally proper and it's necessary, vital even. The problem is, though, in this current atmosphere, is that fact-checking has become a branch of opinion journalism. Um, for example, uh, in the speech last night, the president spoke of a crisis at the border. Um, the, a number of the fact, fact checks that were <clears throat> critical of the speech disputed the fact that there was a crisis at the border. Well, let's start with this, Tucker. Whether there's a crisis at the border or not is not a matter of fact. It is a matter of opinion. <laughs> exactly. One man's crisis is another man's problem. So when you, when, you're, when you start out trying to fact check opinion, you're obviously off on the wrong foot. And in some instances, people, I saw facts checked 
as being a, a problem that were in, that were true. For example, there was a statistic: two hundred and sixty-six thousand um, uh, uh, people arrested who had come across the border. And the Washington Post announced that uh, that that was a true statistic, but it was misleading. Well, there again, we are. Mis- what something, whether something is misleading or not, is not a simple matter of fact. It is a matter of opinion. But the 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 passion, the ambition of journalists today to get in on the opinion game is so strong that they're coming in through all the doors, including the fact check door. You see someone who's supposed to be a straight news reporter come on, just for example, and say the president claims that people coming over the border illegally are committing a lot of crime. Looking right in the camera and say, we have statistics that show they commit crimes at a lower rate than native born Americans when they don't have those statistics because they don't exist. I know well, they the don't exist, is, so that's even, a lie. Even, even if, this, well, even if this, the statistics did exist, it doesn't dis, it, they don't refute the fact that people coming across the border commit a lot of crimes. The president wasn't actually saying that they commit more crimes than anybody else. He's saying they commit a lot of crimes, and they do. And I guess the first one in many instances is the, mere, the fact that they arrive here illegally. So that, I mean, that, 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 that doesn't seem to me to be an effective fact check, no matter how you look at it. Uh, and, and what's striking about this is when you hear this repeated over and over again, the whole, that whole montage you did of people saying manufactured crisis echoed by their friends in the media, the Washington Post itself, which is leading the fact check charge, I think it's fair to say, uh, had a story the other day at some length by a couple of its reporters who went down to the border and came back and reported that there was, yes, a crisis at the border. And it explained that numbers that say that the number of border crossings or whatever are down doesn't get at the point because it's about the composition of the people who are coming now right. that have that because of the nature of our laws, because what we're getting is families and small children. And it used to be we got just, you know, single men uh, mostly. Now we now we're getting an, a different a different uh, type of, of, of group coming uh, that that and because of the nature of our laws, it's overwhelmed uh, our, our officials at the border and has created a crisis. He's spot on. It's opinion because they don't do this. As Ocasio-Cortex flubbed facts, New York Mag suddenly finds fact checks are dangerous. New York Magazine's Eric Levitt spent nearly 3,000 words making excuses for the many fabrication, factual errors committed so far by AOC, the gaff-prone young socialist. This article breaks down the whole thing where she's making it up, but he gives stuff like this, and yet... AOC critiques of fact-check journalism are also valid. The nonpartisan political media does often obscure the moral stakes of <coughs> policy debates beneath the semantics, nitpicking, and which truths and falsehoods the mainstream press chooses to spotlight, and which is leaves unscrutinized, does reflect the ideological biases of the objective press. That is to sum up and protect her on the, well, I might be wrong, but I'm morally right. I love it when reporters say, well, the objective press. What objective press? John Crosshair, another thing AOC in common with Trump, media scolding. She gets pressed like that, but then does this. This White House admin has been made 
having a functional understanding of race in America, one of the most important core competencies for a political journalist to have. Yet CBS News hasn't assigned a single black journalist to cover the 2020 election. Unacceptable in 2019. Try again. Or maybe having powerful editorial positions of washing people from one race, class, or gender isn't a good idea since we get 1,000% more takes on brown ladies says a curse word than an actual white supremacist in Congress. If you won't look in the mirror, people would do it for you. She's upset with the press, but did you know AOC campaign slapped with a fine for not covering proper providing workers' comp? Yeah. That's okay. You can get away with that. Because all our media does is protect Dems. Even when they say this, this is a representative of another new one. Japal, whatever the fuck. Listen to this shit. Joining me now, Democratic Congresswoman Pramila Jayapal, Washington, who's at the southern border last month helping migrants seek asylum and who worked in uh, with immigrants and immigrant rights before she came to Congress. Do you think deal can be made or do you think this is fundamentally existential and cannot be made? It is fundamentally existential if he continues to insist on a wall. And, you know, you just said it so beautifully, Chris. This has never been about a wall. He actually could have gotten funding a couple of years ago or a year ago uh, for a wall. It was part of a deal that was proposed. Not all of us agreed with that deal, but it was proposed to him. And he turned it down because his ultimate goal is, as you said, to make America pure in the sense of not having immigrants, not having folks of color here, and shutting down every form of legal immigration, all to throw a bone to those people. And the only thing... You know, if she was a conservative, Brian Seltzer would do a whole segment on it. Where's the proof that he is doing it because he wants an Aryan nation? Hmm. Then we got her issues... Feinstein again, and this is all about control. She did another tweet. Americans across the nation are asking Congress to reinstate the federal ban on military-style weapons and high-capacity magazines. If we're going to stop, put a stop to mass shootings, protect our children, we need to get these weapons off the street. War weapons, excuse me, weapons of war. Cam Edwards, same lawmaker, don't think a building a wall will reduce illegal immigration, thinks banning guns will make them disappear. Dana Loesch, What classifies something as an assault weapon or a weapon of war is none of the things described here. More accurately, it would be any rifle that has a select fire capability, meaning a rifle that switches between semi-automatic, three-automatic, three-round burst, or full auto. Your description is purely cosmetic, and it is. That's why they're doing it. They want to basically make a law that captures more than ARs. Because if you listen to what she said, and we did our last podcast, pretty much any rifle. Shotguns have pistol grips, friends. They all do. But the left is about control. Listen to this. Why is this not? A, it's against HIPAA. But why isn't this front page news? Boston mayor office to force doctors to identify and document patients who own guns. 
Democrats are hoping to repeat this history here in the United States. The Boston Mayor's Office is pushing a new program to force doctors to identify and document patients who have guns in their homes. They say it is so they can help the people. Here are three of the top goals for health care legislation outlined by his office involving doctors and gun safety. This act will require medical professionals to ask patients about guns in the home and bring up the topics of gun safety. The goal, Boston Police Commissioner William Gross said, is to identify those at risk for domestic violence, suicide, or child access to guns in order to guide people to mental health counseling, resources, or other help. We're just asking them to help identify ways to save lives. The fact that a patient owns a gun would not be put in their medical record and is not intended to have physicians help solve crimes. Yeah, sure it won't. It's the beginning of the gun list. The left does it just to pull triggers on fucking conservatives who know that's the purpose. If you get a list of everybody has guns, which you do, and Nick's, if you legally purchase it, you know, you know, they could go to Nick's and know that I have a 45, a 9 mil, and two ARs. Because I legally purchased them. But they want to know the people that bought other guns from friends, which is legal in America. Out of control. Google, Soros, fun Facebook new fact checkers. Don't need to read anything else. It says it all. PC police, two more conservative pundits censored by social media. Two more conservatives were censored by big tech for completely political reasons this week scott pressler a well-known conservative with 260,000 followers was banned from twitter or excuse me on twitter was banned from facebook for posting about the number of reggie sin the murder of reggie sin by an illegal alien alex van ness a research analyst for clarion project was suspended for twitter for 12 hours for calling chelsea manning a guy It continues. Net skip political report on Dems freaking out over shutdown. Nobody's carrying it, but they are freaking out. But you have Chuck Todd going on every day and saying, poll show, poll show. You're, you're, you're doing your poll with Democrats, Chucky. Of course they blame Republicans. Jeff Flake's going to go work at CNN. You knew that was coming. Oh, you knew that was coming. Then the Russia stuff. The New York Times put out a big article. President Trump's actions so alarmed the FBI after James Comey firing that it began investigating if he was working on behalf of Russia. Byron York liked to rebut that. James Comey bungled Hillary Clinton's investigation, then started a sketchy Trump probe, then did a dossier-based Moscow hookers, J. Edgar Hoover style. We know about you routine with Trump before Trump became president. Then Comey told Trump three times he wasn't in an investigation while leaving public impression that he was. Trump understandably angry. Then, when Trump fired Comey, as some advisors had advocated for months, FBI saw it as treason. Now New York Times reports FBI reacted to justified firing of Comey by opening counterintelligent investigation probing whether Trump had been working on behalf of Russia. Investigation results. No evidence has emerged publicly that Mr. Trump has secretly in contact or took directions from Russian government officials. Is the New York Times story about Trump or about the FBI malfeasance? 
New York Times reports FBI concern that GOP softened its convention platform on the Ukraine crisis in a way that seemed to benefit Russia, except that didn't happen. This is the story that will not die for the New York Times. Every time the Dems might be in trouble, the gray lady does a front page story on Russia. It's like their go-to thing. Then we had a new museum, which is the Hall of Fame for media. And I once again only do this story for my my crutch. The media is liberally biased. They played Cheney, the Cheney movie, Vice. And then they did a story on it. The gossips at the Washington Post found this occasion a natural party for Democrats and the national media, or as Chris Plate says, but I repeat myself, good things breaking news held off for a few hours. That show was attended by what seemed like half the city's press corps, including CNN Bureau Chief Sam Feist, CNBC correspondent John Harwood, USA Today Bureau Chief Susan Page. Congressional business seemed to pause, too. We spotted Tom Malosky from New Jersey working the room, and seen among the audience were Representative Amy Barra from California, Madeline Dean from Pennsylvania, Robin Kelly from Illinois, Mike Valesi from Texas, and Delanor Holmes Norton, D.C. All Dems. The town's fourth estate clearly needed a night of sort of distraction. Yeah, the movie was about politics, but it was still popcorn-worthy. Our evidence, the mob at the bar, overheard from a gaggle of White House reporters belling up for the glass, a cab. I needed this. It's been that kind of day. In addition to Feist, Harward, and Page, Hill newspaper had their own staffers. Jordan Fabian, Scott Wong, Nail Stunge, and Editor-in-Chief Bob Cusack as well as Joss Letterman, Associated Press, Daniel Lipman, Politico, Mike Mamoli, NBC, Philip Rucker, WAPO, Politico added Zeke Miller and Nidra Picker, Terry Hunt and Jennifer Lovin from the AP. Even Ryan Axios was there. Josh Green, Craig Gordon, Martin Tavall, all Bloomberg, Bob Cohn from The Atlantic, Aswin Susabi and Betsy Woodruff from The Daily Beast, Eric Schmidt, the New York Times, Mike Crawley, Blake Hounsell, Ben Schreckinger, and Warren Strobel and John Walcott. Just remember that when you read their articles. They went to a dim screening of Cheney movie. A movie critical of a Republican. But they're journalists, and I just air-quoted. Washington Post waxed Trump's Texas border fashions. Joseph attire was disaster. They went that far to make fun of his clothes. This is a tweet. His attire blared that he had come to inspect the damage, and certainly there is damage. Widespread wreckage, but there's nothing natural about it because he was wearing a USA hat, a windbreaker, and a pair of jeans. I never saw a WAPO review of fucking Obama's mom's jeans. I never saw that. Native American journalists charge HuffPo with negligent reporting after Jenner Benerly, the liberal website's senior reporter, 
claimed that the mainstream media is blowing its coverage of Warren DNA tests. The Native American Journalist Association, NAJA, accused HuffPo of producing a shallow analysis to complicated, emotionally charged topic. In a statement on Thursday, the organization expressed concern that Bendry oversimplified a complex topic that is critically important in the indigenous community. Negligent and responsible reporting because they just glossed over it and made it a non-story. Yeah. Pretty much sums it up. Our last little thing for going to hate tweets. Tapper pressed Camelia Harris over harassment by a top aide. Tell me if a Republican could get away with this kind of response. Questions. Okay. Um, you were a leader of the Me Too movement. Uh, you uh, were the very vocal on the Senate Judiciary Committee during Kavanaugh. Uh, an unfortunate thing happened on your staff, which is that one of your top aides, uh, you, you had to resign a few weeks ago, Larry Wallace. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, he's mentioned in the book at one point helping you mm-hmm. run the attorney general department or the Department of Justice in California mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In, in, in fixing the problem of implicit bias. Um, as somebody who is a leader of the Me Too movement, mm-hmm. how did this happen and you didn't know about it? Mm-hmm. And, and what did you learn about it, uh, given that it kind of struck close to home. Sure. Um, first of all, it was a very painful experience to know that um, that something can happen in one's office of almost 5,000 people, granted, but that I didn't know about it. That being said, I take full responsibility for anything that has happened in my office. I always do, and I always will. The buck stops with But the other point, Jake, is that it really does, to your point, make, make a, an also a clear point, which is, even in the office of someone who has been an advocate for women and women's rights and all people's rights, um, there's no office that is immune from this kind of behavior. And that's something that we're going to also have to deal with. And um, it is a sad statement. Hate tweet of the day! Shut down. 
As we go into our hate tweets, that is an African-American mother just tearing a school district in California apart because of what she perceives is all they care about illegal immigrants. And she's right. I mean, she's 100% right. Yeah, I'm pouring coffee, sorry. Had to get my coffee on. But she's just dead on. To our uh, Joe Scarborough, he decided to peddle a WAPO um, poll. Who's going to get blamed? Trump shutdown's a huge loser for the Republicans. Overwhelmingly blamed Trump. Less than one in four Americans consider the border crisis a crisis. Blah, blah, blah. But he missed the part about Rasmussen poll had, which was a derivative of the WAPO poll. The Rasmussen Reports National Telephone Online Survey found that 52% of likely U.S. voters believe the construction of a wall is likely to slow or stop illegal immigration, with 36% who says it's very likely. likely. 55%, or excuse me, 45% say a border wall is unlikely to slow or stop illegal immigrants, including 27% unlikely. This was once again a liberal-weighted poll. So even in a liberal poll... You're wrong. You're wrong. Alyssa Milano, why is Trump wasting time at the border advocating for a wall no one wants? Reminder, children are still separated from their families. That creates a real crisis, and he created it. Katie Pavlich, evil people are trafficking women and children in the U.S. to serve as sex slaves. They're also recycling children, repeating pairing them up with parents in Mexico so they can falsely get into America. Shame, you're not interested in ending that horror. Razor, I was going to use this as my tweet of the day, but I didn't. November, carafet at the border crisis. December, kids are dying in the border patrol custody crisis. January, there's no border crisis. Trump is lying and grabbing power like a dictator. Isn't that true? Sally Cohn, I get some of my stories from Twitchy, a website that covers tweets that people say. Hey, conservatives. Coming at me for supporting Angela Davis. Thanks, Twitchy team. Tell me again how it's only the left engaged in can- uh, cancel culture and shutting down on popular speech. I'll wait. She's upset because she's getting f- featured on a conservative site. Well, here's the problem. Democrats do a whole thing on Alyssa Milano and Christy Swanson arguing. That was an article. And how Alyssa Milano is so much better and Christy Swanson is so bad. AOC, tax on the rich scheme, would pay for 1% of what the left proposed to spend. Ron Perlman, I have occasional urge to grab you by the pussy. You're going to need a bigger hand. Horrible representations of Sarah Sanders and the president. Twitter doesn't have a problem with it. John Cornyn just released the 2A bill for voting. It'll do what we've been asking forever to protect concealed carry state for state. I doubt it'll pass through the House. I doubt. Chelsea Manning fucked the police showing him burning a police flag. Somebody 
shows the Twitter rules, but that didn't happen. Joshua Tree, of course, we covered last podcast. Some people vandalized the National Park. It decided to bring out some interesting stuff in the left, which is only supposed to be in the right, and is featured in the media whenever the right does it, but ignored when the left does it. Barbara Enrich, she's a professor. If I had a gun and knew how to use it, my first target would be the fiends who've been destroying Joshua Trees in the, in, in the park. The rest of you bastards can wait. Cone Swinkle suggests to delete this tweet as it can reasonably be construed as threatening people with violence. Barbara Enrich. Don't worry, it's in the conditional voice, and I have no way of hurting those rats, unfortunately. We know damn well Twitter's not going to get involved here. She knew it. Sharon Novak, I will hand you the ammunition. I hate my species. The Last Raven, it's never too late to learn. I recommend a pump-action 12-gauge shotgun. And it goes on and on and on. Nancy Pelosi, her solution for the border crisis is to repair roads so that it's easier for immigrants to enter the United States. Seriously. That's what she said. Let's make the journey easier. Let's not protect our border. Okay. And then we have one of my favorite stories of all time. It wasn't really covered big time in the media last year. Because the more and more it started stacking up, the more and more it was liberals that were doing it. So we have Torre. Torre is a big, I hate white people guy has been accused of sexual harassment by a former makeup artist. Couldn't stop asking me to do anal. How I look naked. If I had sex over the weekend, what it would be like to fuck me? Torre show used to sexually harass me. How's that work? I used to work with him on a show in 2017, and he couldn't stop asking me to do anal, how I look naked, if I had sex over the weekend. What would it be like to fuck me? What his cum would look like on my face? I had to have a crew stay in the room with me while I got him ready, and then I left. I called HR. He got fired instantly. He wrote me a huge apology for doing that in my DM. Still have it. He did a 2020 shoot 2018, and I was... There, and he walked out, told the producers that he was embarrassed because he was inappropriate with staff member. He really needs to take a seat. I'm surprised he's speaking out. I'm sure it's not the only girl you've verbally harassed. Girl, you've, he's verbally harassed. You're lucky that I know how to say, go fuck yourself with a smile, and I'm not going to say anything about how many times you asked me to have sex or whatever. A few other people I know said the same thing. I love you. I was just kidding, but I'm sorry. I was being stupid. I should have kept my mouth shut. Those are articles and DMs he did. I want you to know, I've never asked my wife or stated to her, I wonder what my cum would look like on your face. And I'm married to her. Hmm. In the sports tweets, Coming to Hey Tweet Soon, Zeke Elliott for the Dallas Cowboys was spotted coming to the game with a bag of Chick-fil-A. You know that's not going to go over well for him. 
and the entire world, including the media, made negative statements about Tim Tebow's engagement. I'm not even going to read them. He's a Christian. So, of course, that's bad. To our tweets of the day, Representative Dan Crenshaw cannot in good conscience get paid while federal employees' financial futures hang in the balance because of partial government shutdown. Mass Chief Administrator Office to withhold my pay until we have some come to agreement to adequately fund border security. Leadership by example. Yes, liberals will say, well, he's getting a pension. Who gives a fuck? A pension don't pay a lot. We're not cops in liberal cities who get $60,000 a year. We get $24,000 a year. Lauren Duca. A lot is really, this is, this is just the best tweet of the day I could do. A lot of it really is as simple as this. Just be fucking kind. She's saying that to people. Everybody brought out her statements. I think not having the estate tax recognize the people that interest, Grassley told the register, blah, 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 blah. Fuck him. You first. Rest in peace, George H.W. Bush. May your ghost haunt the fuck out of Donald Trump. Instead of abortion or birth control access, the GOP would prefer that all babies be carried to term, then gunned down with an assault rifle. Please just shut the fuck up, you loudmouth bowl of oatmeal. If you need more proof that Trump is racist, please just build a wall around yourself and die. So remember, folks, just be kind. To a music break and news, social media nuggets. December Warm when the cold breezes blow My arms so loving A kind of oven To melt the sleet and snow This heart that glows like an ember Longs to be loved just by you If it could be so Then you'd keep me so warm In December too
something, man. This is this is our generation, man. All you people, we're all together, man. It's groovy. And dig yourselves, because it's really groovy. Now it's time for news and social media nuggets. The crazy stuff that makes your host lose his mind. It's a whole new ball game on campus these days, and they call it PC. PC? Politically correct. And it's not just politics, it's everything. It's what you eat, it's what you wear, and it's what you say. If you don't watch yourself, you can get in a buttload of trouble. For instance, right see these girls? Yeah. No, you don't. Those are women. You call them girls, and they'll pop your figs. Military corner, Coast Guard officer punished for flashing white supremacy symbol on national TV. Story I got is he did it as a joke, but because of the everybody's a racist thing, they shit canned him. ISIS commander tries shooting combat propaganda, then his brothers leave him for dead after he gets shot. I watched this. It was on freaking uh, Apache clips. And he's cursing all these fuckers out as they're running because the Syrian forces are coming at him. And he gets whacked. And eventually the videos of dirt. They just left him. Medevac crew earns Valor awards following Herring rescue mission. This is pretty impressive. Uh, the Blackhawk darted back to evacuate the fallen ranger specialist Emmanuel Burnham. Uh, the people that got the ceremony. God, this article is just so fucking huge, but it doesn't literally say who got the fly. Here it is. Uh, Chief Warnock Krasinski, Chief Officer Jonathan Cole, Medic, Sergeant First Class Andrew Six, Sergeant Yamano Yanez, all five with Company C, 6th Battalion, 101st Combat Aviation Brigade, 101st Airborne. Yeah, good for them. They're picking up the Rangers, which is kind of neat. More than 17,000 uniform medical jobs eyed for elimination. This is the big push by Washington to privatize medical care, put everybody on TRICARE, and it's a fucking horrible idea. Army 75th Ranger Regiment offering 10K enlistment bonuses for some MOSs, and surprisingly enough, 11 Bravo. I didn't think infantry, but they actually have infantry on there, which is pretty impressive. Core has close eye on first integrated training company. They did the 60-40 or 75-25 split. And they're not looking at any time soon doing the 100-50-50 like we do. And I say good for them because all they want to do is fuck. Go back to when you were 17. All you wanted to do was fuck. To our college crazy. Prager U, what does diversity have to do with science? The best-selling author, author of The Diversity Delusion, Heather McDonald, hosts the latest short video for Prager University, What Does Diversity Have to Do with Science? She discusses how politically correct trends are starting to infiltrate STEM fields, corrupting the science university research departments. The promoters of the identity politics, the idea that we're primarily defined by our race and gender, have taken over the humanities and social sciences. That's bad, she said, but not as bad as this. They're moving in on STEM, science, technology, engineering, and math. McDonald broke down how so-called diversity initiatives are lowering admissions and training standards to prioritize creating a diverse science force. 
And then they're de- uh, devoting a massive amount of time and money into producing diversity-related projects like bias awareness intervention tools in order to remediate microaggressions and implicit biases. We covered that all on the show. The science diversity charade, as I discuss in my book, The Diversity Delusion, wastes an extraordinary amount of time and money that could be going into basic research and real-world application. If this were its only consequence, the cost would be high enough, but identity politics is altering the standards for scientific competence in the way future scientists are trained. Diversity is now explicit job qualification in STEM fields. The physics department at UC San Diego advertises assistant professor position with specific emphasis on contributions to diversity, such as candidates' awareness of inequalities faced by underrepresented groups solving the mystery of dark energy apparently now takes a backseat to social justice. Maybe it was a coincidence, but all five candidates at UC San Diego shortlist were female. McDonald explained how science and research departments are now being encouraged to use race and gender as a qualifier while being told to ignore low grades and holistic approach to recruiting students for their programs. This same diversity obsession attends to medical schools. Not a happy thought when they wheel you into the operating room for emergency surgery that promoters' identity politics are literally playing with our lives. And it's true, in Africa, 100 medical positions opened up, literally stated no white people. They don't want any white people. We covered it on the show. I'm not going to play the soundbite, but it's just insane. It's just insane. University of Chicago student newspaper reveals school president voted Republican. It was such a big scoop that the newspaper editor-in-chief, Arimi Choi, wrote it up. Are you prepared to find out what the newspaper discovered? Well, the news must have been a shock to the campus. As it was revealed, UC Chicago President Robert Zimmer voted 2016 primary. Republican primary. Fortunately, Choi did some investigatory research in journalism and brought this disgusting divergence from the acceptable norm to light. Illinois requires voters at the state congressional and presidential levels to declare their affiliation with a political party at the polling place before voting. Such a declaration are recorded and made public, thus he was caught committing the heinous act that he thought he would get away with. Zimmer has long been coy about his politics, declined and answer questions on subject of 2016 interview with the Maroon. In recent years, however, he's become somewhat of a celebrity in conservative circles, earning praise from commentators for publications like the National Review, The Federalist, and attacking safe spaces and trigger warnings. Whole op-ed, front page. Who get fired? OSU is looking to a professor telling students not to use illegal immigrant now. The OSU sociology department looking into a student's claim that a professor told her not to use the phrase illegal immigrant. Espinoza noted that while students could use illegal immigration, they could not say illegal immigrant. Victor Espinoza reportedly made the remark to OSU students, Hannah Emerson, who was enrolled in the online sociology of immigration course. Campus reform is not independently confirmed the event happened. However, a student worker in OSU sociology department told campus reform the department leadership is currently looking to the report. You should know that this class students will not be allowed to use the word illegal to refer to unauthorized immigrants. 
Espinoza told Emerson after the students submitted the assignment according to the Daily Caller. The use of the term illegal by politicians and news media outlets not only criminalizes undocumented workers who committed a crime, but not to us, but it also dehumanizes, marginalizes, and racializes the people it seeks to destroy. The professor told Emerson that she could not use a phrase illegal immigration, but not illegal. She could use legal immigration, but not illegal immigrant. Starting next week, any assignment or discussion post that uses the word illegal immigrant to refer to an unauthorized immigrant will not be accepted. Emerson indicated that she was concerned about her grade in her email to Campus Inform. This is the first time that I've felt as though my free speech here on campus has been limited. I do not really know how to proceed as I don't want to receive a bad grade. Before it's said and done, there'll be freedom fighters. Uh, freedom immigrators. They're going to come up with some high-speed fucking name for this shit. And I'm telling you, it, it just, it's what I say. They're word police. They don't care about right and wrong. They don't care about facts. They care about words. And our media is the biggest violator of the word police. They will shame non-allies for using the wrong word. Indiana College shows privilege simulator on MLK Day. The simulator will provide participants the opportunity to gain perspective on how various racial, gender, socioeconomic, sexual orientation, religious, and ability-centered identities impact the lives, the lived experiences and opportunities of minoritized people and communities. They're just making words up, I swear to God. Um, We'll be turning Alumni Hall into a game board. Around the room will be various stations representing essential entities and systems within life, housing, employment, education, finance, healthcare, and judicial system. Although they are difficult to dismantle completely, it is our responsibility to disrupt systems of repression and advocate for transformative change. This year is gender and social justice. An unapologetic perspective on black liberation is a keynote speaker. Uh, Yeah. Then the next college invites students to get a lesson in social justice by playing Monopoly. Augustine Anna College Winter Symposium Day slated for January 16th through a one-day event during which students will attend panels and events to learn about different issues of social justice. Subjects discussed will range from identifying and containing microaggressions to learning how to about privilege through the game of Monopoly. <laughs> Split in the morning, afternoon, and evening segments. Students will have time to meet with advisors. Augustana will also offer drop-in events that students can visit at any time. In the first section, students can attend a, a session titled Microaggressions from Reaction to Resistance, where they will identify microaggressions shift from reaction to resistance and learn to tactfully and effectively manage microaggression situations. Students are also invited to another session called Onside, the Ethics of Watching Sports, which will tackle the issue of social justice in sports such as Major League Baseball preventing living wage payments to minor leaguers, racist songs sung by soccer fans, and whether or not it's wrong for people to watch sports because of these. 
During the second session, students will partake in an event called Understanding the Effects of Responses to Privilege Through Intergroup Monopoly. Ever heard the phrase, don't judge someone until they walked a mile in their shoe? Why not learn that same lesson while playing a game according to someone else's rules? Come play a game of Monopoly and get a lesson in social justice and perspective taking at the same time. Gameplay will be followed by discussion of your experience moderated by a group of faculty members representing psychological and sociological perspectives. Another event titled Customers Strike Back, Perceived Business Social Justice of Customers When Things Go Badly, addresses social justice in business and consumer rights. (laughs) These fucking people, man. Oh my God. Then a tweet, stolen person. This is the next plateau of wokeness. I'm about to get a soundbite for that because we just keep on going up the plateau. It's like in the army. Yeah, we're almost top of the hill. And then it's a false hill. Eh, There's a little bit more. Just another hill. Stolen person at queer socialism. Heterosexuality does not exist without a sexual and gendered coercion. There is no such thing as a heterosexuality that is not inherently coercive. There is no heterosexuality that does not reinforce structural oppression. There is no healthy or good heterosexuality, period. Period. None. By the time we're done, we'll never reproduce. These people are going to ban heterosexuality. Human rights campaign found that 40% of trans people hear jokes about trans people in the workplace. 42% of trans workers are afraid they'll get fired if they tell anyone they're trans. This is a must-read for people who want to be better allies in the workplace. Male bodies and field female bodies are inconsistent colonial constructs that do not exist. It's also okay to like what you like and for there to be patterns in your attraction. It's also okay and beautiful for there not to be patterns in your attraction. Everybody is sexy. That's it. So now our bodies are a social construct. And to their statistics, where did you get those statistics? 0.7% of the country is trans. So what, five people heard a bad joke? And you make it 40%? Really? Back to the sickness of child pornography a la drag queens. Ten-year-old boy drag kid photographed with naked adult drag queen. On Monday, 10-year-old Canadian boy Nemes Quinn Meloshin Golden was featured in a troubling Huck magazine piece highlighting the life of a so-called child drag queen. Young nemesis, whose drag name is Queen Leticia, we keep covering this kid, it's everywhere, was shot by photographer Jonathan Frederick Turton for the spread. And one of the shots that did not make the magazine, nemesis in full drag makeup and a black dress is posing for a photo with season 7 winner of RuPaul's Drag Race, Violet Chacken. Chacken, whatever. In this shocking photo, Violet is wearing nothing but a pair of heels and a small piece of fabric covering his dick, as seen in the screenshot. 
Molly, roughly speaking, is her handle. Child drag queen picture with naked winner of RuPaul. Interviewed and photographed about life as a child drag queen. So, in the article, he claims to have shot for mainstream outlets and businesses from Adidas to the Discovery Channel. And the jarring Huck Pink magazine piece, which ironically bashes Daily Wire editor Ben Shapiro for calling out parents for over-sexualizing their drag kids. Nemesis' mother, Jessica Malcion, conceded that drag has a sexual component and is unapologetic about her young son wearing sexually suggestive clothing if it makes him feel beautiful. Her definition, drag is an adult arena and that's where people question our judgment. So we have to censor things. He knows we're an adult aspect of drag that he's not allowed to apply to his show. We would never try to overly sexualize our child, but if he wears something that makes him feel beautiful, what right do I have to stop him wearing that dress because it might cause people to think they shouldn't be thinking? It's a circular problem. So it's okay for my son to have a grown man's junk in his face because it makes him feel beautiful. And here's the deal. You're his parent. You can tell him to shut the fuck up. You can say whatever you want. You're the parent! In 2017, Nemesis appeared on stage with popular drag queen Bianca Del Rio at a drag show his mother brought him to. The clip on the two on stage together wherein the drag queen repeatedly used the word bitch and drops F-bomb quickly went viral. That video happened and everyone was crazy, Jessica recalled. But we knew from the get-go we never wanted to lose control, lose sight of it being fun for Nemesis. According to Jessica, Drake is how Nemes chooses to express himself. He's just a kid playing. There's so much more going on in his world right now, which is more horrifying and terrifying than my child wearing a fancy shoes and a skirt. This shouldn't be on anyone's list of priorities, she added. Nemes also appears to already be an LGBT advocate. Choose love, be proud, smash the patriarchy, and be kind to one another. Always pride, love, hey, blah, 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 everything his parents taught him. Ellie did a fawning piece and accompanying video on an eight-year-old who goes by the drag name Leticia, same person, with the full support of the mother. HuffPost celebrated the end of Pride Month with a feature and a, ten, a video on the ten-year-old drag queen Nesman Napoles, who is proof that the future is queer, Ellie. HuffPost, no surprise there. But then ABC got in the act, and we talked about it, Good Morning America. The Daily Wire reports that Queen Leticia, who is now 10, has posed for a magazine with drag queen Naked Dude. James Wood adds, So would the FBI consider this child pornography? I'm asking this seriously. If it were a 10-year-old female child photographed with a naked adult male, would authorities intervene? Somebody replied, and it comes down, it's so true. The sad truth is, they are more likely to arrest you for hate speech because you're pointing this out. The world has lost its mind. That's just inappropriate. That's just so inappropriate. And part of the world being fucked up is parents like you think you can sexualize your 10-year-old. Everybody thinks they can go, well, but Trump. You know, Cuomo had the whole whataboutisms. You guys what about everything now and use Trump as the reason why everybody could be horrible and vile. 
But it's our media. It's everywhere. Netflix boycotts North Carolina due to its transgender bathroom law. There's going to be a movie film there. They moved it because of the law. Because people don't want their kids and their wives to get sexually molested. Or have a dude drag take a dump next to them. Okay. Then we move on to January. Yeah, that's a thing. Movement encourages women to grow all their body hair for a month. I believe in my choice of shaving. You've heard of Movember. You've heard of December. How about you hear about January? According to People, the trendy new movement that encourages women to let their body hair grow unabated for over a month has become quite the it thing on social media. Started by Laura Jackson, a drama student at the University of Exeter in the UK, the movement seeks to liberate women from the uncomfortable constraints of shaving. She originally began growing out her hair in preparation for a role because a few weeks later she began to really appreciate her own body hair and decided to make it a movement. I grew out of my body hair for a performance as part of my drama degree in 2018, she said. There has been some parts that were challenging for me and others that really opened my eyes to the taboo of body hair on a woman. After a few weeks of getting used to it, I started to like my natural hair. I also started to like the lack of uncomfortable episodes of shaving. Laura went on to say that as more people began to express confusion over a newfound body image, she realized that society had a long way to go in accepting the differences of others. I realized that there is still so much more for us to do to be able to accept one another fully and truly. Then I thought of January and thought I would let it try it out. It started at least. Her family and friends have been largely supportive. The ones who were less enthusiastic about Laura's choice, such as her mom, who once questioned it, the movement was just an excuse to be lazy. Eventually accepted it once she explained her reasoning. If we do something, see the same things over and over again, it becomes normal, said Laura. Mom is now going to join me and grow out her pit hair. But the problem is... Oh, no, 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 no. Jezebel! Can we do? Can we not do January, please? Sure. January sounds empowering if you're a conventionally pretty and privileged white girl like Laura Jackson up there. But Preach Gupta sets the record straight. I support January's intention. And if it encourages more women to embrace their body hair, that's lovely. But let's please keep it in perspective. A white woman discovering and promoting the wonders of not shaving her pits in the deadly cold of winter when we shave the least anyway is not a particularly brave stance. Pretty white women are often celebrated for their bushy eyebrows or for their courageousness in growing long, silky strands from their pits. But it's black and brown women and trans people who aren't women. But okay, we should be honoring and highlighting. They are routinely mocked, harassed, and threatened for refusing to conform to European-centric Western standards of beauty. While white women are liberating their pits, brown people who have darker and oftentimes coarser, thicker hair in some places are contending that with colonialist expectations of what their bodies and hair are supposed to look like. Colonialism? Is there nothing bad that can't be traced back to it? Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of people in Walmart, Tennessee, getting harassed because they didn't shave their pits. You fucking people, man. So basically what you just said, you can be woke and do January, but if you're white, oh, fuck you. Feminists panic over latest SCOTUS decision. Roe is dead, they're saying. They didn't really do a decision. They haven't decided whether they're going to fucking hear a case about states' restriction on abortion. But they're already freaking out. 
Out in California? Man, this stuff's little. Phil Ting, no more paper receipts. 10 million, 21 billion gallons of and 12 billion pounds of carbon issues to make receipts in the USA every year. I introduce AB 161 today to help California skip the slip by making e-receipts the default practice by 2022. Paper only upon request. Homeless. Biggest budget on the fucking planet. Crushing debt. Paper receipts. And the new first lady who wants to be called something else. The wife of California Governor Galvin Newsom, Jennifer Siebel Newsom, has decided that in the name of gender equality, she does not want to be referred to as California's first lady, but rather as first partner. Miss Newsom on a website for the governor reads, Jennifer Siebel Newsom, first partner after graduating with honors, blah, 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 blah. Because maybe in the future, there'll be people that are exes. So we don't want to offend those exes. Got it. Then you have this poor bastard. So apparently if you misspeak or jumble words that even sound like a slur, you can lose your job. You don't even have to actually say it. Just mix it up. Meteorologist Jeremy Kappel in New York found out about it. Todd Grisham. What a travesty. Does anyone really think he said this on purpose? Mispronounce one word and you lose your job and maybe career. Insane. From CNN, of course. During WHEC-TV's Friday evening broadcast, Jeremy Kappel said Martin Luther Coon Park. When referring to a downtown Rochester Park named after the slain civil rights movement leader. In a video viewed by CNN, Kappel said King immediately after using the slur and continues with the broadcast. Kappel said his use of slur was a mistake caused by speaking too quickly. What happened on Friday to me is simple misunderstanding. If you watch me regularly, you know that I tend to contain a lot of information on my weathercast, which forced me to speak fast, and unfortunately I spoke a little too fast when I was referring to Dr. Mithley Coon King so fast to the point where I jumbled the words. In my mind, I knew I mispronounced, but there was no malice. I had no idea the way it would come across to many people. From USA Today, Al Roker is coming to the defense of the former television meteorologist who was fired for making a racial slur during a live broadcast. WHEC TV, blah, 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 blah. High profile today weather anchor, however, believes Kappel deserves a second chance. I think Jeremy Kappel made an unfortunate flub and should be given the chance to apologize on News 10 NBC. Anyone who has done live TV and screwed up, Google any, any number of ones I've done, understands. But oh, no, no, no. He said coon. Yeah, fire his ass. MTV Decoded, the show where hosts discuss topics on race like white people, white splaining, white splaining. Raging gay conservative was unfortunate enough to watch an episode and he came up with this. Raging gay conservative. According to MTV, the word exotic is now racist, arguing that the term makes many women feel as if they do not belong. Francesca Ramsey, the host of MTV's YouTube series Decoded, which nobody watches, created a video explaining why it's not a compliment to call women of color exotic. 
Ramsey began by claiming society sexualizes women of color by calling them exotic, stating that she has been referred to as such by well-meaning people. Following, Ramsey discussed three reasons why she believes women of color should not be called exotic. Her first reason is that exotic literally means foreign, stating that many women of color are U.S.-born and have never been outside the country. In addition, Ramsey believes that the term exotic is based on the white beauty standards, arguing that being fetishized is not a compliment. She even goes so far as to say that it is wrong to fetishize women of color because it's often based on oppressive stereotypes. So even if you mean well, calling the women exotic is hurtful and especially gross. And thus ends another lesson on race from MTV, the music network called out by David Bowie for never playing videos by black artists. That's all they play now. Okay. Google sponsors MIT conference. Math is racist. Reparation the solution. We cannot achieve the goals of economic justice and equality without seriously reckoning with the history of slavery in the United States and the need for reparations. If reparations are the answer, the problem goes much deeper than math, this article says, and it sure the fuck does. And those are the people that push your articles to you. Reparations. I doubt any of them will pay. GoFundMe allowed cartel member Escobar to raise money to impeach Trump. But it doesn't let you build a wall. You could be a gang leader. Gang leader good. For Trump, bad. Starbucks exploring adding needle disposal boxes and bathrooms following petition. Employees risk getting poked and D.O. get poked even when... Following protocol of using gloves and tongs to dispose of used needles, said the online petition. But after the black guys got kicked out, and they got kicked out for a reason, but that was perceived racist, so that reason was no good anymore. They don't kick anybody out, and now you got druggies using drugs and shooting up in your shitter. Cause and effect. Jeff Bezos, dude owns Amazon, sent X-rated photos of his big willy to Lauren Sanchez and told her, I won't be gentle, Mag claims. Pictures of the sexting and his cock. And he's all about fucking you because you're in the middle class and you're white. This article kind of freaked me the fuck out. If you watch 2012, you remember that the Pole shifted, and we became the Arctic. Earth's magnetic pole is on the move fast, and we don't know why. Earth's magnetic field is what allows us to exist and deflects harmful radiation that keeps our water and atmosphere in place, but now it's acting up, and nobody knows why. According to the science journal Nature, something strange is going on deep down below. It's causing the magnetic North Pole to skitter away from Canada towards Siberia. The magnetic pole is moving so quickly that it has forced the world's geomagnetism experts into a rare move. And they show a picture that in 1900, it was over a lake in Canada. And they're saying right now it is in the Arctic Ocean. Hmm. I'm not going to freak out yet. If that was the case, it would be cold where I live. But whatevs. 
How do one year old believe secret to longevity is his daily Coors Light? And you would think it is 5 o'clock somewhere, but it's not. 4 o'clock, he says. On the nose, 4 o'clock every day. He has Coors Light. Good for him. And to the flu, CDC says it's another bad flu season with up to 7.3 million people sick so far. Of them, almost 84,000 have been hospitalized. Wash your hands, folks. 17-year-old Utah woman crashed her car into oncoming traffic. You know why? She was driving her car doing the bird box challenge. Can you be any other fucking stupid than that? I don't think you can. Gonna go to our liner fair. We're gonna play a little smidgen of somebody's comedic video they made. It's 45 minutes long, so I'm gonna play about seven, eight minutes of it. And it's basically the purge shutdown. And I just fuck, this just cracked me the fuck up. So just a little bit of it. Enjoy. Thank you for tuning in to CNNBC Los Angeles and our special broadcast of America's Purge. I'm Gene Shepard. For the next 24 hours, we will bring you breaking reports on the horrors of the purge. Let's go now to field correspondent Lyle Callahan. Gene, I'm speaking softly because I'm trying to remain undetected. Hold on, Gene. I see a young girl standing by herself on the sidewalk. God only knows where her parents are. My God, why is she just standing there? Gene, um, it looks like people are lining up to buy lemonade. Get your big juicy wieners here. Wieners and nuts. I'm sorry, Lyle, did you say lemonade? Yes, Gene. Lemonade that hasn't been inspected by the health department. And these stands surely don't have business licenses. Yes, that sounds, um, uh, horrifying. Uh, Thank you, Lyle. Things are sure to get worse as the day goes on. We can only hope that our viewers are watching from a safe location. Be sure to stay tuned for our next update. Gene, I'm standing outside of a supermarket. Behind me is a biker gang, and it looks like they're getting ready to start some trouble. Hey! 
doing? Hey, man, we can park wherever we want. There's no laws today. Yeah, that's right. No laws. Just because it ain't illegal. Don't make it moral. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Our next one, I found uh, John Burke, which once again goes back to my brother Matt, who introduced me to him. This is a uh, painting like BLM, and he's doing a spoof on, uh, oh God, what is his name? The fucking Afro painting dude, the white guy. God, man, screw, I cannot believe I can't remember his name. Joy of Painting. You know what I'm talking about, PBS. Enjoy. Well, hey there. Welcome back to another episode of How to Paint Like a BLM Member. Well, since you've already clicked that graphic warning button on YouTube because I'm just too offensive, we're going to go ahead and get this thing started. So I'm going to have my handy-dandy producer that's Caucasian, even though it doesn't really matter, but CNN likes to think it does, run those color across the bottom of the screen there. So we've got Wakanda Black, like you didn't see that one coming. We've got Fire Engine Red, and making it rain blue. We're going to create a little masterpiece. It's, it's going to offend a lot of people. And probably can be banned on Facebook. Let's get started. So that first color we're going to use is, is called Make It Rain Blue. So we're just going to put a little, little dab in there just like that. There we go. Kind of reminds me of the whole Blue Lives Matter movement. But we can't talk about that because only black lives matter. At least that's what they say. Not hypocritical whatsoever. Now, normally for something like this, I'd use my, my two-inch Asian brush. But not this time. I got a tool here that my ex-girlfriend liked to call the Rainmaker. Don't ask me why. Man, those Thai lady boy hookers, but they could do with a, a ping pong ball and a, a pine cone to blow your mind. Moving on. So we're just gonna smear that in there just like that, and we're just gonna give it a little, a little flick of the wrist. There we go. Just get it nice in there. Just flick that wrist. Oh, that's beautiful. That's right. Dollar, dollar bill, y'all. Just send it like those dollar bills you're, you're sending to your trap queen. There you go. Yeah. Songs about drug glamorization and beating on women and alcohol consumption and disrespecting the police. It's, it's perfect. Does nothing for influencing our culture whatsoever. Oh, look at that. My whole mama at home would be proud. It's coming together really well. Let's continue. Our next color we're going to use, we're going to call this one Fire Truck Red. Now I know it might look kind of orange, but I'm colorblind anyway, so it doesn't really matter. There we go. Oh, that's beautiful. Just squirt it on out there. Like my ex-girlfriend. All right, for this next brush, we're going to use our, our microphallic one. I call this one the Extra Asian. So we're just going to dip that right in there. Oh, there we go. Smear it around. And we're going to move on to the canvas right here and just get a little strokes, little upward strokes. There we go. Like flames in the town of Ferguson when we burned our own city to the ground because, again, we didn't get the verdict we liked. Who's, who's writing these scripts? This doesn't make sense whatsoever. I mean, if, if I'm supporting an innocent man and I go out and commit crimes, that, that just kind of contradicts itself. I mean, you don't have to be David Hogg to understand that. Okay, I don't know who's writing this, but all right, let's move on. Wow, Tide Pod Eaters, I swear to God. We've got Black Panther Black, because we finally have a movie dedicated to just black people. Black directors, black actors, black everything. Except that it was inspired by an old white guy named Stan Lee. But I'm just going to go ahead and Take that little fact out of the air and put it in my pocket. And we'll just ignore that. Black Panther. We take a different technique here. And we're just going to apply this straight to the canvas, just like that. And we're going to kind of get in the way of all these other colors. Now, I think if you'll notice, I've only used about 13% of this color. But by the time we're done, we'll get a 
have this car taking up 55% of this canvas. I think you all know what I'm driving at there. Moving on. So now what we're gonna do is we're gonna take our, our cognitive dissonance roller of lies and just go ahead and just steamroll over all these facts we've just presented because we like doing everything by emotion. Oh, that's beautiful right there. Look at all that. Oh yeah, there we go. Perfect. I'm just gonna go ahead and paint it like that. Now, now here's the thing, don't let this brush get away from you, especially when you're told to stop, because bad things happen. That's called the law of art, but we all knew that. But yet we still do it anyway. There we go. So now we have to add our, our final ingredient. It's gonna make this whole thing come together. I'm gonna pull out my wallet and get the one thing that we all have, the BLM doesn't, that's white privilege. As you can see, I'm, I'm sprinkling nothing because it doesn't exist, but for the purpose of this video, it does. So here we go. And there you have it. A little Tide Pod vapor. I don't know whether to apologize to the BLM or say you're welcome, but either way, you can have them. Thanks for watching. And our last soundbite is Ulian Castro. Now, remember, the left is really pushing to get the next Obama. Charismatic, ethnic, I can get everybody to vote because of the skin color, not qualification. Back in the day, the answer of why you wanted to be president was pretty much a test for the media, right? You answered it wrong, you look like an idiot. Well... Here's his answer, and he looks like an idiot. You announced your candidacy, and almost immediately the RNC issued a statement. I want to read it here to you. It says, Julian Castro has made history by becoming one of the biggest lightweights to ever run for president. He was a weak mayor who couldn't even handle being HUD secretary. This is obviously just another desperate attempt to become someone else's running mate. These are sharp words, but it's the first official attack on you. How do you respond and, and how do you explain why you are qualified to be commander in chief? Yeah, you know, they're going to use those kinds of words for every single Democrat uh, that decides to run for president. Uh, I wouldn't put too much stock in that. I would just say to the American people directly, uh, I've had executive experience. I've led uh, one of the largest, most diverse cities in the country. I've led a federal agency at HUD uh, and, and done some great work to expand opportunity. Uh, I know what it takes to ensure that we have a government that functions well uh, and to help inspire people. Uh, I also have a life experience that I think resonates with a lot of Americans. You know, I'm here in my neighborhood that I grew up in, uh, grew up in a single-parent household, went to the public schools here in San Antonio, was able to go to college and law school and to reach my American dream, and I am motivated to make sure that every American can reach their dreams. And then one last funny, funny before we move into some serious. Woman banned from Walmart for riding cart drinking wine from Pringles can. Police were called at Texas Walmart after a woman was poorly drinking wine from a Pringles can and riding an electric cart in the parking lot. Officers responded to a call around 9 a.m. about a suspicious person in the store parking lot. Times Record News reported investigators found the woman at a nearby restaurant and told her she was banned from Walmart. The caller said the woman had been riding around the store's parking lot since 6.30 a.m., driving, wa drinking wine from Pringles can. 
We love that she was drinking wine from a Pringles can. <laughs> that is awesome. And a serious article, and it kind of goes along with what I've been talking about. Woke progressives turn their public shaming ritual into a formal re- religious ceremony. If you haven't been to Hollywood lately, you might be surprised to learn that the hippest new attraction in town isn't a movie studio or a vegan yoga bar. It's a church. Contrary to popular opinion, Hollywood is a very religious place. Granted, it's not an especially Christian place, but that doesn't mean the fine folks of La La Land don't love a good spiritual ceremony, one that promises perfect righteousness to those who follow the dictates of the progressive religion and utter condemnation of those who don't. This is why a certain house of worship has become such a hit for any Tinseltown residents who needs a bit of redemption after blaspheming the gods of political correctness. Once upon a time, damage control specializing publicists were encouraged gay slur-uttering celebs to rebuild their goodwill by undergoing sensitivity counseling. But in these latter days, the greatest way to atone for the sins of un, in uninclusivity is found inside a church known as the Cathedral of Blessed Wokery, currently meeting in the 55,000-square-foot Malibu mansion normally reserved for climate change fundraisers and Lamborghini jousting. For example, let's say that you are a star comedian. Your last five films have been box office successes. Your most recent stand-up outing was voted one of the 350 best comedy specials released on Netflix in the second week of June. As your reward, you've been tapped for the host of the Academy Awards. But then 11 inconsensual people on Twitter discovered that you made an offensive joke about bisexual Muppets in 97. Obviously, you're no longer morally fit to host an award show where hordes of adulterers give trophies to fugitive pedophiles and serial rapists. Clearly, your career must grind to a halt until you have been sufficiently rebuked by your fellow progressives. Fortunately, that rebuke is now available to you via the Cathedral of Blessed Rokery, and in particular via a ceremony of the church known as the Rite of Perpetual Confession. What is the Rite of Perpetual Confession, you ask? Like the service of confession and absolution found in varying forms within many branches of Christianity, the woke rite keeps the part where you lament what a miserable sinner you are. <laughs> they wrote this up. It's funny as hell. Create in me a clean heart, O mob, and renew a leftist spirit within me. Cast me not away from employment, and take not your holy Oscar from me. Restore to me the joy of activism, and hold me with thy progressivism. The penitent wearing sackcloth and ashes is brought before the congregation. Priest, in the name of the Ruth, the Bader, and the Ginsburg. Congregation, amen. Priest, beloved brother and sister and gender non-conforming siblings of faith, we have gathered here to confession of our fallen friend to mourn his sin and to determine if he is fit to re-enter tolerant society. Priest, do you have sins to confess? Penitent. I do. I confess that in the past I unthinkingly embraced the popular moral attitude of past instead of unthinkingly embracing the popular moral attitudes of today. Likewise, I frequently used in terms that was not at that moment considered offensive instead of presuming that it would be considered offensive in the future moment. For all of this, I apologize both to those individuals I hurt and to those individuals who weren't remotely involved, but still demand an apology from me because what else are grievance study majors turned Twitter scolds going to do with their lives? Priest, the penitent has confessed his sin and vowed to do better. Does the congregation grant him forgiveness? Congregation, no. Priest, why? Priest, 
of the penitent. Why, priest? Because the core doctrine of the woke religion is that righteousness comes from the maintaining perpetual outrage of the sins of your neighbor. And granting you forgiveness would require us to let go of the outrage and hereby lessen our own holiness. So in order to preserve our sense of moral superiority, we must remain angry at you forever. Congregation, trash thou art and trash thou must remain. The penitent. Seriously, there must be something I can do. Congregation, penance, penance, do the penance. The penance makes up a sizable donation to Planned Parenthood, Time's Up, or another organization of Alyssa Milano's choice. Penitent, behold, I have made amends. Congregation, just kidding, making amends is white privilege, bigot. Penitent, you know what? Forget you guys, at least my family still loves me. The penitent, niece rises. Niece, for the record, I am ashamed that someone with such problematic thoughts shares my DNA. Congregation, the bus, the bus, throw him under the bus. Pentnet. Guys, please, I've worked so hard to build my career. I have kids that depend on me. I never meant to hurt anyone, so please don't hurt them just because of something dumb I said 20 years ago. Please, if you take the Oscar away from me, the only thing I'll have left is playing the Danny DeVito role in Reboot of Twins. Christopher Plummer rises. I am the new Danny DeVito now. Oh, come on. The original Danny DeVito rises. Guys, I think you're being too hard on the penitent. Just chill out and let him host the Oscars. The congregation kills Danny DeVito. Penitent, what is wrong with you people? Why did you have to kill Danny DeVito instead of just accepting my apology? Congregation, your apology for what? Are you that guy who shot a giraffe or something? Penitent, no, I'm the guy who said something marginally offensive 20 years ago. Congregation, were we mad at you for that? Penitent, yes. Congregation, was that before or after we killed Danny DeVito? Penitent. It was like three seconds ago. Congregation. Oh, sorry. It looks like we got a little distracted here. Penitent. So am I done being punished? May I have my career back? Congregation. Maybe. Can you prove that you learned your lesson? Penitent. How do I do that? The penitent wearing sackcloth and ashes brought before the congregation. Priest. In the nath of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Repeat to infinity. It's a joke. But it's really true. Right now, because the world is so gay, LGBT, transgender focused with you cis-normative people, Andrew Kaczynski, K-File, I realized Tulsi Gabbard was anti-gay, but didn't quite realize how anti-gay she was in 2000. This is next level. Gabbard was elected to the U.S. House in 2012 and became the first Hindu member of Congress as well as one of Congress's first female combat veterans. So quickly became a star of Democratic Party with their own rogue brand of progressive leadership. Gabbard remarks from 14 years ago were bound to resurface as she walked even further in the national spotlight with her presidential bid. And while Gabbard 37 has evolved since then, she once backed a bill targeting discrimination based on sexual orientation and famously endorsed Bernie Sanders' presidential bid at the expense of her post at Democratic National Committee vice chair. Some people, including journalists from Hawaii to D.C., wouldn't let her off easy for a homophobic remark. Daily Exception Didn't she evolve on the gay issue? And did she virtually every other Dem leader? She's been given high marks by the Human Rights Campaign, the nation's leading gay advocacy group in Washington. So basically it's okay that she targeted people based on her sexual orientation years ago because she's a Democrat. Must be nice to be a Democrat. 
Michael Tracy. Criticizing these ugly comments is certainly fair, but it should also be known that she was 22 years old at the time and has since repudiated those views and her record since serving in the House is virtually uniformly pro-gay. What did she say that was homophobic? Difference between civil unions and same-sex marriage is dishonest, cowardly, and extremely disrespectful to the people of Hawaii. Representative Tulsi Gabbard, tests, who directed her testimony at Hamaki. As Democrats, we should be representing the views of people, not a small number of homosexual extremists. That's what she said 14 years ago. Then people... Amazing that for many of these people, Tulsi's anti-gay position in her teens and her early 20s are disqualifying. But HRC's opposition to the same-sex marriage until well into her 60s was not disqualifying. This whole thing is pretty obvious and a pretext. So saying that we're going to bend to extremists and change marriage is homophobic. Homophobic. Okay. And while they do all this, this is Talib praising Allah at the care organization who just said that people who are supporting Israel have dual alliances, which is an anti-Semitism statement. And this is what she said at care. Slave. Assalamu alaikum. Bismillah rahman rahim I just want to thank all of you so much. Many of you in this room, when I decided to run, uh, didn't ask if you thought I could win. You said, how do I make out the check? And so I thank you so much for believing in the possibility of someone like me, someone that grew up in Detroit, a daughter of Palestinian immigrants, mashallah, the eldest of 14 children, that I could now become a United States member of Congress. Inshallah, as I continue to fight for my community back home, which is the third poorest congressional district in the country, one of five children have asthma. From corporate polluters who I had to trespass onto their property to get samples of, of toxins to get tested, to the incredible, uh, you know, corporate greed that gets vested into our city that, you know, push back against complying with laws, you push back blocking his trucks for hour, for about an hour. Many of you don't know these stories about me, but I was an activist before I became a member of Congress. I was a person that was a mama seeking for justice, and I did it unapologetically with civil disobedience, from getting kicked out of a rally that Trump had in my, in my city, to being pushed up against a, court, a billionaire that tried to recall me when I was a Michigan state representative. This is just who I am, and this is how I fight back. But I can tell you, when I met this young girl, Brianne, in California, who's 11 years old, and she had a blazer on. She had a regular shirt on. She had this blazer on her. And I said, Brianne, mashallah, look at you, the little blazer. She goes, I'm trying to look like you. And I said, girl, forget Congress. Run for president. And she goes, uh-huh. That's what we do. That's, mashallah, that's what we did. Our young women are now believing that their place is on the House floor, that their place is in the White House, that their place is above and beyond serving others for good. And so be, be 
so grateful, alhamdulillah, mashallah, that we now feel in many ways that we belong here and this is our country like anybody else's. A black pastor in my district said something that was very profound. He said, and he was looking at me in the church pew, and I, and I looked up, and he said, you know, we're not a country that's divided. We are a country that's disconnected. And why I bring this up is because I don't want us to be silent when the President of the United States calls Mexican rapist. Don't wait until he comes after us. Speak up now. Because let me tell you something. When we're silent... When we're silent like this, when we're not talking about the, the, the harm that even the shutdown is having on our neighbors across this country, when we're not speaking up about an, uh, harm to other communities from those that are being ripped apart at the border children, even if they're not Muslimin, this is the time to speak up. And mashallah, when I saw the imams, the Muslim advocates at the border getting arrested, I cried because... For me, getting elected, not in a predominantly Muslim or Arab community, but a predominantly black and white community, this is a community that made history, and this is a community that keeps continuing being denied a seat at the table. And they looked beyond my faith. They looked beyond my ethnicity, and they elected me and we, became, we made history. And I, so I want you to understand that we're all in the same element of fighting against racism, bigotry, and all of those things, because it matters so much when we do not speak up. So when we do, do it with thinking of Muhammad peace be upon him. He was all about justice. He was all about pushing up against all of the things that you see were from slavery to what we see now. If he was here today, he would be stronger and stronger in pushing up against the kind of injustice that we see coming out of the White House. And so thank you so much, for all of you that have been part of my historic campaign. This is a historic campaign that I can tell you from when I saw Congressman Carson a long time ago, he said, sis, he always called me sis. He's like, sis, when are you going to run for Congress? I'm like, Shh, I don't think they're ready for me. And he's like, no, 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 you got to run. And Michelle, now I get to serve with this brother who uplifts me every single day from his presence. I feel stronger every time I'm in his presence. And I got to tell you, when the attacks came on my sister, Alhan Omar, I came up to her, I think it was the first week of our orientation, and I'm, I'm a big sister, you know, I have seven younger brothers, six younger sisters, Michelle, and so I, I just have this feeling, I'm like, Alhan, are you okay? She goes, Rashida, Rashida, all the attacks, it doesn't matter, because I survived war, I can survive them. And so, and so... Be hopeful that you have incredible, incredible representation in so many ways. I will leave you with this. I will never be your perfect Muslimah. I'm serious. I'm never going to be. But mashallah, I believe so much in our faith. And it gives me so much strength every single day. From when I do my salahs. And I ask Allah to give me strength to get up every single day because children in my community are suffering. And I think to myself, I'm exposing my faith in such a profound way because I uplift them every single day. They belong here. When they can't get here, I'm here for them.
But I can tell you from being with my sister Ilhan to my brother Andre Carson, I don't feel alone. So please, like Congressman Carson said, write us checks, but also uplift us. Uplift us all the time. I will never again be perfect, but I won't be your polished politician. People back home love me like this. They love it. They call me good trouble. They, 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 they text me all the time and said, you didn't do anything wrong. I said, I know that. But I can tell you, you know, this is an incredible moment. And I think for us, all of us, to be able to understand just how incredible it is to be part of this time in our country, this very dark moment in our country. And this is your time to to shine. This is our time to know that there's light uh, during this time of darkness. So thank you so much. And I, I really sincerely am so blessed to be part of this community. Thank you so much. Assalamu alaikum. So for these people, you don't have to put America first. You care about terrorists more. As long as you don't say anything about gay now, it's gay. Even for black people. Heterosexuality and being your own gender is bad. Open borders are good. And hating Donald Trump puts you front in the line. It's a fucking religion. And it's sick. Because 10-year-olds are sexual objects. The farther the left goes to the left in the future, my friends. Right now, they got a little tide coming back for them. The American people are going to say something in the voter booth. And the more they ratchet up this anger and hate towards America, the middle of the country can override California, New York, and Washington, and Oregon. I'm sorry. The framers did it just because of extremists like you. You're extremist. You make the far right look sane. And we don't even hear from the Christian right, but every day on your TV, Chuck Todd speaks for the progressive religion. And every day, it sounds just like that little joke that somebody made up. You must be penitent. You're a whole new human being. A long time ago, you said a word that doesn't mean what it means now. Hmm. So this wraps up another episode of Flower Politic Podcast. Please feel free to share this to family and friends. Send emails about segments or to suggest segments to F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. FOPpodcast gmail.com. You can get this show on SoundCloud, Podcast Addict, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, iTunes, Blueberry, and Stitcher. Remember to check out the Flower Politic webpage at F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T dot com. FOPpodcast.com. It's a theme. See links to feeds for our show, links to our Facebook page, and to email us there. You'll see a link to every episode on the episode release page our next podcast will be this friday the 18th it will be a free-for-all segment so until then stay warm if you're in the south it's pretty chilly and if you're just north of us you're buried in snow disconnect from all your devices don't give the yeah yeahs. give your family your undivided attention and tune in friday to another exciting episode of flyover politic podcast as always thanks for listening and take care
Thanks for listening to this episode of Five Over Politic Podcast. Remember to check out our website at foppodcast.com. And remember, it's a short ride. Make every day count. Every day